Welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. My name is Wolf. And I am Sal. He is Sal. I'm happy to be here as always. Happy to be, be happy to be the man known as Sal. I don't really like it, but whatever. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, t- today we have a special guest. He is a Yowie researcher. His name is Simon Young, and he is from Australia. Oh. So, uh, we don't want to waste a, a lot of time with the introductions. We want to get right down to the interviewing. Simon, are you there? I am, Josh. G'day, everyone. Good day. Awesome. I wouldn't would I, I wouldn't be doing your service if I didn't give everyone a good day. A good day. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Uh, so real quick, let's plug the emails doswolfman eighty eight at gmail dot com. Doswolfman eighty eight at gmail dot com and Wolf and Sal at gmail dot com. Either of those will work, ladies and gentlemen. Either you know, send us your stories. Work. Send us your stories. We want to hear them and we want to tell them. Absolutely. So, Simon. And I just want to say a quick g'day to Sal as well. I forgot Sal in the intro there, guys. So, g'day, Sal. Nice to meet you. Hey, likewise, Simon. Me, me and Simon actually have talked before, but this is the first time I've ever actually interviewed you. And so, I'm excited to hear because you have been doing Yowie research for a long, long time. And I was just wondering, I was curious if you had anything new or exciting that you would like to talk about or discuss as far as like what's going on over there in Australia, is there anything, any breakthroughs? Do you have anything like special? Ooh. Look, there's um, uh, nothing at this present moment, no, no major breakthroughs. We did um, recently, we had our very first um, last year, our first sort of crypto conference from a Yowie perspective up at a place called Nana Glen. It was um, a bunch of guys um, from that research all over Australia gathered together in one spot which was um, pretty cool, um, sort of, you know, meeting some of the Queensland researchers because, you know, we're researchers that are like you guys are spaced by, you know, or distanced by thousands of kilometres apart from each other. Um, social media has made it great to keep in touch and share information, but meeting people face-to-face and sitting around a campfire till 3am talking, you know, stories about this place and that place and getting a lot of intel on new places to research is always pretty good. Um so you know it's a that that's a, that and what happened at that event was one of the guys actually um a guy called Ray Doherty from the Australian Ape Project is the Facebook group Ray's um they got a photo about three years ago of a um what looked like a grey faced yowie um up in a tree um and you know I've seen the original photograph and the photo was enhanced and what they did from that they commissioned an actual artist to create a life-size bust from the photo of the head of this Yowie. And um, they actually unveiled the bust at this thing. And it was pretty pretty cool because everyone sort of, you know, seen this thing up on stage with a cloth over it. And Ray showed the photo and went through what they did and all the modelling they did and what software they used to enhance it. And um, then he unveiled the bust and all of us were looking at it there going, wow, that just looks like one of our Indigenous folks. And it does very much look like an almost like an indigenous person um and this this particular yowie took a photo of it actually had a um a gray face and what i mean by gray face is our um our indigenous people here use um gray ochre 
for um, tribal um, ceremonies and for hunting sometimes as camouflage. And um, they've told us that the hairy man, which they, they refer to Yowies as the hairy man, and you'll probably hear me use that term quite a bit today. I don't necessarily like Yowies as much as I prefer hairy man or Dooliger or Junjudu. I prefer to use their traditional names. Um, but the hairy man, um, they, they said, would do the same and use that grey ochre on its face paint. You can clearly see in the photograph it's like got a – it's almost like um, – think of Arnie – when he was in um, the movie Command, I think it was actually when he was in Predator and he, you know how he muttered himself all up for the battle at the end and he had the, the face that sort of had the stripes across it with all the mud. That's what they look like, like it was a grey mud. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool and now everyone's got a, you know, a lot of people have seen the bus since then and gone, yeah, that's pretty much what I saw. So um, we have had some interesting, um, I suppose, in the Southern Hemisphere and we have had some interesting... Um, like things in the things happen in the uh, what do you call it the archaeological or sorry the archaeological world. They've made um, you've all probably heard about the new discovery of um, the um, the new four foot tall hominid that was living in, living in the filler. Um, well, we had the hominid we had the hobbit which originally found in the island of Flores near Indonesia. But they've just found Homo. I think they've called it Luzoensis. It's on the island of, forgive me if you're Filipino. Um, it's Lunes or something in the Philippines. I haven't had a chance to completely mm. research it yet. But they've just literally discovered this other hominid. Looks like it was alive probably you know thirty, forty thousand years ago. Um, so it's more evidence now that we do have another type of human species. Um, out there, we we are actually there's there's been um, a discovery of some skulls down here by um, basically they were sitting under a under a like a farmer ploughing his field unearthed these skulls that were buried in the ground, and these skulls look like nothing we've ever seen before. So the problem is that the people that got them, the the Evans brothers who found the skulls, they now have possession of them. They've long been pushing their own agenda about the ancient origins of people, so they're not handing these skulls over to for proper scientific discovery and like somebody to do some dating on them and actually have a look at them and come up with what they were. But there's definitely these these skulls we've never seen them, and they've got no foreheads for starters, so mm. no no pronounced forehead. Um, I've actually long said that our Yowie could end up being, when we finally get a decent DNA sample, our large Yowie could end up being part Homo erectus. You know, we, we know now that Homo erectus was alive and well and living in, it made it all the way from Africa down into Indonesia, which is just north of us. And it was alive in Indonesia up to 40,000 years ago. So it was actually home. A lot of people don't realise actually Homo erectus was alive for a for a long period of time and lived on the planet at the same time Homo sapiens were here as well. So um, it's just that in different you know parts of the world, different hominids have have affected you know because of the interbreeding that they've done. And we've got um, you know we find in our indigenous people down here they have a very high. Um, rate of Denisovian DNA when you when they get DNA tested, but we also have a very low rate of Neanderthal. Um, and when you go further north, you find a lot of Neanderthal DNA in Europeans, but not so much Densovian. The further south you come, you've got a lot of Densovian. So, you know, there's the, 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 as I've said, like in the last five years, I say to a lot of people, well, the people say to me, what is a yow? And I say, look, it's probably, I don't like you to use the term relic hominid because I don't think they're relic. 
as such. There's still an evolving hominid of some species, and um, they. And I think one of the reasons why both um, when when Bigfoot researchers get DNA testing done, and we get we've had some DNA testing done here of samples we've had, they all come back and saying, "Oh, it's part human. You must have contaminated the sample." I think it comes back as you know, 94% part humans because they are 94% part human. Um, you know, there's a lot of human in them. Um, when you see the way they, when you study them for long enough and you see the way they act and the way they live, you realise they're very human in their behaviour. And, you know, even Bigfoots are very human in their behaviour in what they do. They live in families. They, you know, they understand that for the survival of their species, they need to stay in groups. They need to breed. Um, you know, that that's all human traits. They get angry. They get upset. They, um, you know, they, they, they have moments of joy. I'm sure I've heard of researchers talking over the years where they've been whacked over the back of the head one and it's back over the head by one and it's run off into the bush doing a bit of a guttural like <laughs> type of laugh. So they obviously have some type of humour about them as well, which, you know, says to me that they're more than just a, an ape. You know, it's um, – and, and I think – I also think, Josh, that very much our governments know all of this as well. And um, but you know, when you think about the 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 implications from a religious perspective, from an industry perspective, and things like that, if the government turned around and said, and then an environmental perspective, what the Greenies would do if the government turned around and said, yeah, actually there is a hominin that um, it's you know, pretty much like us, but it's a little bit different, and it's living out in the bush and it's chosen to stay away from us, you know. How are people? Yeah, it doesn't need anything from us. That's exactly right. How and you know, and you know, Josh, from my perspective, I'm not a I'm not a man of God, right? And please don't you know judge me on that because I certainly don't judge people who are who are a person of God. I you know I happily let them have their beliefs. But from my perspective, there, you know, from a religious point of view, how are you going to explain to someone that you you are not the only creation of a human form of um? of an animal, you know what I mean, of, of, a, of a human. God created, if you want to believe that God created humans as in us, then you've got to think that God's created other humans as well. So well, we there's, live there's one hurdle you've got to get. Yeah, that's right. You've got it. That's one hurdle you've got to get over. And then, you know, what's going to happen with the forestry industries? What's going to happen with um, the whole camping and um, trekking industries? You know, people, there will be some people that just will flat out not want to go back out into the bush again, or into the national parks. There'll be others that will, you know, we always know there's idiots that are going to go out there and say, I'm going to bag me one of those, you know, and they probably get themselves killed. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they wouldn't tell us even or even confirm it. Absolutely. So I think people that are that are in this, that are in research to get fame out of it and to actually prove that these things exist, um, you per, to coin a real great Aussie term, you're pushing uphill. Yeah. Um, sorry if I don't mind the cussing, guys. I, I, I'm Australian. We swear, you know, a lot. We'll try not to use any of the really bad ones, but um, we do swear a lot now. Well, we, we do too, but we try. You can to... bleep it out. You can bleep it out. Yeah, we have to. Ble- we're gonna have to because tr- we don't want to make make the uh, the YouTube gods. Oh mad, yes, of so. course. Well, Vic, Vic <laughs> yeah. had a lot of bleeping to do when he did his interview with me a couple of years ago. So he <laughs> yeah. to, did he you did you come on with the dog him. man or was it the Bigfoot? No, it was um Bigfoot. I actually did a two part um one with Vic and um, it all got wiped from the internet when he lost his channel. So I presume it's probably still available if you subscribe to his Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio oh, podcast. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm fairly the YouTube sure one's gone now. So yeah, I thought that it, I was just telling Armando the the, the or Sal, 
that I, I the other day I thought when I did episode 248 with the dog man, uh, I thought that I was doing Bigfoot eyewitness. And so I started out talking about Bigfoot and, and I gave him a Bigfoot story. And I think Vic was waiting for the dog man element to come in. And then he tells me, whoa, wait, the, we're doing dog man. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So I just gave you a Bigfoot story and you didn't know what I was talking. Okay. <laughs> so then I had to stop and dig out some notes that I had for what was going to be one of my shows. And so I gave him that material <laughs> And so I told Vic, I was like, yeah, I just gave you my material for one of my shows. But um, yeah, I was going to ask you a question, Simon. And this is a question that I've needed to to ask for a while. Just for those who are listening, a Yowie is very similar to a Bigfoot. But like you said, it is a different because there's different continents, different species like uh, yeah, of, yeah. I think um, I'll, I'll cover this off for you. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to your listeners in terms they can probably understand. Um, you guys specifically over there, when you talk Bigfoots, you have your type one and type twos. Your type one you refer to as a paddy type Bigfoot, um, very muscular build. And then you've got the type two, which you mainly find down in the southern states and over in the eastern states. They're a little bit leaner. Um, not as solid a build, but they can still be quite tall. Um, I think our Dulia, which is um, our tall one that that the that our locals refer to, probably more closely aligns with the traits of a Type Two. They are a little bit more aggressive, like a Type Two is. You know, Americans talk about the Type One um, not being as aggressive as the Type Two. Um, and um, I think that's very much the same. And then you've got a type four, I think you refer to, which is the little people. Um, we we have the Junja D. Now the Junja D are um, that that's what my local tribes refer to them. They have about fourteen variants of that Junja D name. Um, translates through to in in our local dialect to devil devil. Um, what they mean by that is that they they actually some tribes um, some of our local tribes actually saw them as an omen of death um, and to cite a Junjudi meant you were going to actually have a um, a very bad death very soon not long after the sighting but others just saw them as a mischievous little so and so that would you know come in and raid their camps when they weren't around steal food sometimes they would kidnap their babies and women but there was um some troops of Junjadi have even been you know rumored to drag a guy off into the bush and cannibalize him so they're actually not the they're, they're not you know cute little three foot high hobbits they're savage little carnivore or you know flesh-eating cannibals basically so well that's when we were talking um, earlier about the homo flor floriensis yeah, yeah homo floriensis. And, that, and very much the ginger they could be a hominid like homo floriensis they when you actually see i've seen the face of a ginger d in a cave we had basically caught it in this little den and i've seen like half of its face putting out and i've seen the artistic um impressions they've done of homo floriensis like what they've got from their fossilized remains and said this is what they could look like and they're very very similar so it, it could be something like that it could of course be it's a very own species of small what's the name but they are small they are only grow from you know a foot and a half up to about three foot tall and then we have another one which um they refer to as the quinken which are real real tall buggers they are tall and thin mainly i only ever hear a lot of quinken sightings in um northern Queen in queensland up in those tropic states um 
they're around um so when you get up into queensland they're, they're the red hairy ones um the dooliga can be anywhere from red to brown hair to straight through to jet black but all the quin can always seem to be described as red haired ones and they are they've been i've heard of sightings of those things you know standard size for those is 11 foot tall and some of them some people claim to have seen them up to 14 foot tall so that could even be some type of a remnant. You know, they, you've heard, all heard the stories of the Kandahar red-haired giant. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that it could be some type of a red-haired giant throwback. You know, it's a who, who knows? You, you know, I don't think you're ever going to capture a quinkin as such. They're probably just too big and powerful. And to be honest, I'm really glad they're not in my research area. So they, they sound like one of the more scarier ones. We get red uh, reports of red reddish brown hair it, it, it's, it comes up quite regularly yeah. now i had a couple of questions for you simon you know yep. first starting out you know i heard you mention about the you know the the denovesian uh, denisovian denisovian excuse me i'm yep. sorry <laughs> i got that backwards but the denisovian uh, genetic traits in some of the some of the Our indigenous local, yep yeah the local yep. the local natives and of course you meant you were you you know, you mentioned that the further you go north, you get more Neanderthal, I, I, I believe. Yeah, in Europe, there's a in Europe, most Europeans have got some type of Neanderthal yeah. DNA when they're being tested, so, and um, and also Homo heidelbergensis is another one they're yeah. finding. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, is that um, you know, you've got you've got all these uh, your, your local indigenous people throughout the country, and. Yep. And you mentioned that uh, the that one artist rendering of that photo that was taken, and you said that they pretty much resembled uh, um, a uh, local Aboriginal. You know, a lot of the Aborigine people. Yeah. And um, you know, I find I thought that was really interesting. But uh, David Politis, uh, the guy that does the four one missing four one one books. Yep. You know, he did do a um, he did do some research and and, and work into what you know the whole here in the states what we call the bigfoot phenomena and he went and talked to the local natives i forget what tribe he went and talked to right off the top of my head but when they got an artist to do an artist rendering of these creatures well they drew it without all the hair and it resembled the native american yeah i've heard the story sal i've i've actually heard the story and it's um i've i've Often heard, I've heard American researchers say, if you shave one of these buggers down, they'd look like a Native American. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, it's a obviously you've got you. I, I think people have to understand if you go and look at humans in respect of uh, like us, us as a people, you go all around the world and you see people a vast array of people of different sizes, different looks, different builds, and that's exactly the same in the cryptid world. So there are fat yowies, there are skinny yowies, there are um, you know, there are they're fat Bigfoots and there's over there's obviously obesity in in that world in, in the Bigfoot world. Um I would imagine there's ones with deformities. Um I would imagine there's ones with, you know, with, with the, I mean someone said to me, what do they look like? I said, go and open up a high school yearbook and have a look at all the photos and that's the diversity what you look at. So one may look very much closely like a like an indigenous person and the next one may look a little bit more a little bit more primate like if you know what i mean yes they're, um, yes they're you very know, diverse in their looks yes and that i agree with and and speaking of deformities um you know you mentioned that i just remembered when i heard a um heard a podcast a long time ago probably about 10 years ago 
possibly. And the gentleman that I know his story has circled quite a bit in the Bigfoot circles. The guy, the, the gentleman, he recently passed away. His name was Mike Woolley. He had a very hair-raising encounter um, in western Louisiana, which the town that they mentioned, they call it Manny. It was around that area. And I've been in the, that area. I've been all around that area. That's that's East Texas. That's deep East Texas. That's deep oh. West Louisiana. It's 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 yep. thickly forested. That's... Long story short, he gave his account. That gentleman gave his account, and I was listening to this podcast. And then he went on to talk about a uh, friend of his that lived up further north on the western side of the state of Louisiana. I think near a town uh, a town called Monroe. He said he was called up there, and I was remembering this story. He was called up there with him and another friend went up there to check it out because the gentleman that called him up there claimed to have been having Bigfoot issues, and they were coming around his property. And in that story, he mentioned when they got up there and went into the area where they were these Bigfoot were supposed to be, they said they got in there and they waited for them to show up. I guess they'd already figured out that these Bigfoot would show up and watch and observe since many Bigfoot researchers say that we humans are their television. We are their entertainment. Yep. So yep. He's, he mentioned, and this is a particular fact that he mentioned about that story, he said that when, when the family group showed up, he said there there was the big one. They said, well, that's obviously got to be the the, the the male, the alpha male, and then female, and then the other family members. And the, the striking fact was that he said he witnessed one that looked like he had had polio and that two other ones were carrying him up into the, you know, into the area so they could all watch. Yep. And then at it the- Could be know, a sick one too. Yeah. And-, and um, but this one, he, I, I remember that podcast because this stuck with me. He said, it, you looked at the legs. He looked like he had polio and his legs didn't work and the other two were carrying him around. And then once whatever interaction happened with him, once they were done and they left, they, he said that the two of them picked him back up, picked that one that was deformed from probably polio and yeah. walked back off in the woods with him. I thought that was really interesting to me, well, that, uh, that lends credence to, as you were saying earlier, they are a lot closely, a lot closer related to us than what anyone cares to admit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's why they build their TP structures, mate. Like, yeah, you know, there's yeah. little the little TP structures you see them build when they're in a when they've got one of their temporary encampments. Yes, um, they're usually there where they'll sit that sick individual and they'll you know they'll usually they'll build the base tp with the with the live tree bend it over and that and then they'll usually hang some other crap off it to just give the just to break up the um you know their, their masters are blending in all they need is a bit of foliage around them to break up their shape yes. and um that's where and usually they will build those in the center of their i suppose their living room um and you know they'll they'll keep an eye on that person but um those those that's what a couple of U.S. researchers that I know that have deduced that those TP structures are used for, um, and I tend to agree with them because they're only ever used once. They're never used more than once. They'll build it, use it for two or three days, move on, and they'll never touch it again. Yeah, so I think that's, um, that says something for, for their evasiveness, and to me that, that lends credence to um, the fact that they are actually strategizing. They're planning. They have a you know, a, a method to their madness per se mm. 
when it comes oh, look, to... Oh, look, I can tell you one. I can tell you a story, mate. I've seen ones where they go up in a tree, right? They'll, they'll use the trees to mask their thing. They'll come to an area where, and we've done this, where we've been, we've found some, some tracks and we're following like a trail and all of a sudden it gets to a real swampy area and they know straight away they're going to put um, tracks in there. So they'll go up in the trees and then you can, like, you'll see the mud marks where they've climbed up in the trees or whatever. And then you can, like, all right, well, if I was, a, if I was, a, you start thinking like a yowie and go, all right, if I was there, I got up in that tree. Then if I can get across to that tree and then I'll go to that one and then that one and then five trees on the other side of the swamp, you'll come down and you'll look and you can pick the bloody trail back up again because they've used the trees to go across the swamp. I, I've also heard from another US researcher who I trust complicitly. He said they actually saw a troop moving through the for the forest once, and the last one actually had a tree branch, and it was brushing the footmarks away from be, what the troop were leaving as they went through the forest. Like its job was to leave no trace that they'd move through that forest behind. So I think they're very conscious of the footprint they leave on the earth. We find we rarely find scat, and I think a lot of their scat they actually do in creeks. They because they know it washes away and the the evidence is washed away. We see them walk a lot in creeks as well um, because, once again, the evidence is washed away. There's, um, You know, we find footprints more on the sandy creek bed than we do anywhere else, A, because I think it's a great place to to do it, but it's not your normal trail. They, they know where the creek goes. They know they can use it to navigate, but it's not a commonly used trail, so they, they feel that they can walk through there and there, any footprints they leave behind will wash away with the next you know time you get a bit of heavy rain and the creek flows. And um, we found some rather interesting prints there. Um, you know, Dan's got some videos of them up on our YouTube channel um, of, of prints we found in creeks and in sand. And I know, know in the US there's a lot, they find a lot of them in there and you, and you do get them doing the knuckle walking. They'll get down on all fours when they're moving along creek beds to stay low. Um, in, out in, the, in, in our areas where we've got farm properties where you've got these pockets of bush, they use the creeks and they'll, they'll use the creeks to walk between these two areas of bushland um, across the open farm fields, they'll just stay down in the creek. They can walk through there undetected on all fours. You go in the creeks, you see the you see the rear footprint in the ground, which has got the you know the five toes, and it stops about halfway down because you're only getting the front part of the foot in there because the mid tarsal breaks you know allowed the foot to flex. And then you'll see you'll see like a like a big round sort of stomp in the ground with four little like four little tiny, what look like little tiny toes on the top of it, and they're actually the indentations of their knuckles um, that that they make when they sort of put that hand in the ground. They're not they're not completely like an ape does um, and knuckle knuckle walk, but they will sort of rest with that there. And you see those knuckles in there, and sometimes you might see a thumbprint out to one side of it. Um, and that, that threw me for years and it was like I was finding these prints in creeks and it wasn't until I started talking to re US researchers about it and they said, no, they're probably when they're in quadrupedal mode. And it's funny, it's sort of, a, I suppose, a good segue into the very first Yowie I ever saw was actually it dropped down on all fours and ran away from me. So um, I, the very first one I knew straight away that they actually do move on fours. And I'll tell you what, mate, they are fast on all fours. They are a lot faster on all fours than they are when they're on two feet. And I, you know, I've seen it myself. I've seen a Yowie go down a mountain, which probably had a 30 degree slope at breakneck speed on all fours. And it was gone within an instant. Wow. It had like disappeared from sight. And it was, it was literally, um, 
I was, I, it was funny. It might have been beginner's luck or whatever, but um, I'll probably go into, I'll tell you the story. Why did I get into yowing in the first place, right? I used to camp up in the Blue Mountains a hell of a lot in my 20s. Um, and we used to just have some weird stuff happen around our campsites. We used to get these bad smells coming through every now and then to hang around for a while. We'd have little, you know, we'd have the odd little pebbles and rocks thrown in, and we were all we were all up there drinking and riding motorbikes in the bush and, you know, having a good time as you do when you're camping when you're in your 20s, and we always thought it was just one of our mates joking around with us, but, you know, usually everyone was accounted for around the fire. Um and then I had this incident where we were up, we'd been up in this in this forest, remote forest all week, and I put a chicken on a little miniature web of barbecue, had a roast chicken cooking away, and we all jumped. There was only four of us camping there that time. We had seen no one in this forest this whole week we'd been there, and we all went down, got on our bikes, went down to the creek for a wash-up, came back up, and there's the web is still sitting there with the lid on, and I said, oh, I said, I'll go and check how the chicken's going. I walked over, picked up the lid, and there's no chicken there. Oh it's my gone, God. <laughs> and somebody stole my chicken. And you know, years I we just put it down to there. We we were actually pretty paranoid that that night there was probably a homeless person living in the bush and they'd come and taken the opportunity. We'd already ruled out being pigs or wild boars or anything like that because they would have knocked the fire over and just taken. You know, it would have been strewn everywhere. But something deliberately opened that lid, took the chicken, and then put the lid back on and then walked off with it. So um, and all of this stuff happened, and there was a couple of incidences where I'd been in um. I'd been, you know, out on the trails and I'd stopped off my bike having a smoke and I felt like I was being watched and all of a sudden that bad smell came through. And then a few years, fast forward a few years later, I was reading some stuff about ladies who's had the dog's heads ripped off up in the Northern Territory. She blamed it on Yowies and I thought, all right. So I started reading. I found some eyewitness stuff of what people were talking about, what they were experiencing. And I'm like, Jesus, that's some of the stuff that we experienced when we were up in the mountains. And then I looked further and found out that, you know, there was a, there was actually active research going on that, you know, my Blue Mountains was pretty much crawling with Yowies. Um, they were, you know, they'd been sighted all over the place there. So I went back up into um, near where we used to camp a lot to actually just go and walk a particular path down through the bush. I, I knew, like I knew that bush, like the back of my hand from a trail perspective, I knew every fire trail in that bush because I'd ridden it, ridden over them 20 times over. So I knew that if I walked down this gully here and went up that side of the mountain over there, I would come out on this trail. And once I'm on that trail, I knew how to get back to where I wanted. So I thought, I'm going to take off down there. And I'd literally probably got about three or 400 metres into the bush and it was a windy day. Um, I got to a bit where there was like a little pseudo gully, I suppose. It was just like where two little bits between two sort of hills. Remember, I am in mountains at the time. So there was a like a gully and then the gully just sort of went down and then dropped and went really quick down the hill and it was all ferns up to about waist high. Um, so there was a lot of ferns growing in there, you know, those sort of silver ferns. And um, I I think because of the fact that it was really windy, it was noisy, um, I would have been upwind of this so it wouldn't have smelt me – sorry, downwind of this so it wouldn't have smelt me coming. It's obviously not heard me coming and as I've got – I've just heard – I'm looking in one direction. I've heard this like, like a grunt sort of groan, and I've turned and looked to my left, and this thing's probably about 20 metres away from me. So what's that? It's about 60 feet, and it's in the process of turning its body away from me. So it must have stood up and looked at me, and it's turning its body away from me, dropped down all fours and just took off down the hill and went, and I was just like, wow what was that, you know, and it's, well, I, I kind of knew what it was, 
straight away, but you sort of sitting there racking your brain going, what the hell did I just see? And, um, yeah, it was on my very first attempt to go out and look at one I actually struck gold and found one. And since then, um, you know, I've had several encounters up there. Um, we, we, so we, have a lot, we have a lot of activity whenever we go out. We know the signs to look for. We can hear them around, but they don't always come in close and don't, you know, they're not always going to get angry at you or, and throw rocks at you. But or, or take a real interest in you that they will come close. But we've tried, you know, sound blasting. We get responses to that. We've actually sound blasted American Bigfoot calls into the Australian bush and have had Yowies respond back with howls. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, we've also we've also got a couple of good recordings um, of our own Yowie howls, which we've um, blasted out, and they'll respond back to those. Sometimes they may come in and, um, you know, you'll hear them moving around the bush. Um, we've we've stumbled across, you know, walked down the wrong trails before and stumbled in the middle of a hunting party and been pretty much aggressively marched out straight away. Um, that's, a, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll growl, they'll stomp, and we're like, okay, we've made a wrong turn here, let's back out straight away. Because we, you know, the, me and Darren, you know, we, we're both married, we've both got children, we want to go home to our kids. Um, I don't want to become a statistic. Um, even Mr. Polites knows that there's been three people in Sydney's Blue Mountains that have lost their heads, and I can so I can pretty much guarantee that they were all to Yowies, um, and is there's it, probably it, more out there. I so, have a question for you, Simon. Yep. Very interesting stuff you're telling here. What, what one of the, the I wanted to just for the listeners' sake explain where the Blue Mountains are in in Australia. Oh, look. Well, if you look at Sydney on a map. Um, the foothills of the Blue Mountains start approximately about 50 kilometres due west of the Sydney CBD. So they are actually part of a great, the Great Dividing Range, which um, is a, a great, which is a mountain range longer than the um, the Rockies. Yeah. So if you think, um, it pretty much goes from far north Queensland all the way down through, pretty much follows the eastern coast from far north Queensland all the way down through Queensland, New South Wales, and then becomes our snowy mountains where where we actually go and ski and then it goes into Victoria in the southern state so it traverses right down that whole eastern coast I'm not sure of the exact measurements I think it's about 2,600 kilometers or 3,000 kilometers long or something like that it's pretty big but the Blue Mountains are one part of it so they are and the reason why they're called the Blue Mountains is because from Sydney CBD when you look at them because of all the eucalyptus trees in the air they give off eucalyptus oil and it um, it reflects the refracts the light and it makes them look like they've got a blue tinge. So, but when you get in the mountains, trust me, they're all green, um, unless it hasn't been raining for a long time and then they're all brown. That reminds but, um, me, higher... Simon. Simon, sorry, yep. I'm sorry. That reminds me of uh, Kentucky bluegrass. You, you've heard that terminology, correct? Oh, I've seen Kentucky bluegrass. You can buy a Kentucky bluegrass here in Australia. Yeah, so. it's it, it's got that blue tinge. So I I'm yep. totally understanding. And for for the listeners out there, if if you've ever seen the grass grow in Kentucky, the whole the whole thing about Kentucky bluegrass, when that grass is growing and the you know spring and everything else, it does have that blue tinge. So I, I venture to say, is that is that pretty close to what you're you're talking about yeah Simon? so the leaves the basically i think well this this works on oil in the atmosphere actual eucalyptus microfine particles of eucalyptus oil in the atmosphere reflect the light to make the mountains the the green trees that are normally there have that tinge of blue to them so yeah so they're not actually blue when you get up there and once you drive up into the mountains 
and you're standing right next to the tree. The leaves are as green as myrtle, you know. They're a lovely, beautiful green, but from 50 kilometres away, they look like they've got a tinge of blue because of all the eucalyptus soil in the atmosphere. Now, highest point in the Blue Mountains in my research area is probably close to about 1,250 metres above sea level, so right on what you guys would call a snow line. We do get the odd little bit of snow up there in winter. It's not not very often. We You have to go right down to our snowy mountains, which is further down south down the Great Dividing Range before you get to areas I think gets up to about the highest points, around about 2,500 metres above sea level. I think Kosciuszko, our highest mountain, is about 2,700 metres. So you're talking about 6,000, 7,000 feet, I think. You did. No, sorry, I think around – I worked it out one day for Americans. 7,000 feet. About eight, yeah, about seven, seven to eight thousand feet is about our highest mm-hmm. point where you three guys. Three meters you know, is one is one. Uh, yeah, three you know, feet in three feet. feet to three a feet meter. is a meter. Yeah, yeah. roughly. Yeah, so it's um. Roughly. So that'll give you an idea, and then the you know they probably start the foothills probably start a couple of hundred meters above there. Um, where I actually research is probably around about four hundred meters above sea level, and you know they're active all through there. It's um one of my favorite areas up there. There's um is where there's a lot of apple growers. So um, we've just been heavily researching that area because it's been apple picking season over here. So they're all over there stealing the apples. Um, and if they pick all the apples, then um, I actually met a guy last year and he was used to work at one of the um, the juice companies that were up there that make apple juice. And he was actually telling me stories about something that actually peeled open the side of their shed. He said, you know, that if you think about those, you know, those big, sheds that they make with that with that panelling in there, the insulated panelling they have in it Yes. Um, as the walls of the shed. Well, this thing had literally put its hand under a bottom corner and peeled that open like it was a tin can to the point that a man could walk in there. He said it's walked in, whatever did it has walked in there, walked past thousands of dollars worth of tools and equipment and everything else just to steal apples. So, um, yeah, he said, um, he said, really I, hungry. he said, I've never seen one. He said, but I've heard some weird howls and some weird shit coming from down in that forest for years. And he goes, there's something down in there. And he goes, when you see stuff like that, he said, that just makes me believe that there's obviously something there that wants our apples. And he said, they're not human. There's no way a human could have lifted that up. They do the same so, thing um, in Oregon with the cherry farms. They mm. will, they will raid the cherry farms and eat. Years ago, when I was like 17, I was up in Oregon and I heard guys that were working up there talking about how the the Sasquatch, because up in the Northwest, they call them Sasquatch. Down in the South, yep. we tend to call them Bigfoot. Or boogers. Or boogers. Or boogers, or boogers. boogers. yeah. Well, that's how the whole Dogman thing started, was people seeing these dog-faced boogers, you know. And I know that that in, the, in, the, in one of the land, in the region where one of my, I guess, ancestral families homes they they would talk about seeing these these hairy creatures which i can only describe as bigfoot and hiding behind trees they would see them move behind trees but then they talked about another creature that they would see that had a dog face that that's a question i had to ask you because i have heard people from australia and of course you know i, I there's a guy that i know who's from new zealand he's a kiwi and New Zealanders, that's a different type of people altogether. But they, <laughs> they are pretty adamant that there are no dogmen in anywhere anywhere around that area. Like there are no dogmen. I'll echo those remarks as well. Look, I uh, we are a, if you look at our the megafauna we had here, right? Um, I 
the thing that I the thing that I try to explain to people is you've got to you've got to think about the just the mechanics of it, right? How did the how did a canine get to Australia? All right, because canines originated in North America. Um, the very first canine started there. I think it was sixty five million years ago down in the south. Um, they came out. They went over into Asia and Europe. Um, the wolf was, you know, the wolf was formed out of that. Then they came back into North America. Um, uh, long before all of that point, Australia had already broken off from Pangaea, the whole main continent. We were already travelling way, way down south to Antarctica. And, um, you know, we were miles away. And if you look at our megafauna fossils, we only have a history of having sea lions in our country. We have never seen... No, we don't have any. They've never found a fossil of any canine, and the very first canine that was ever recorded in Australia was, of the course, dingoes. the dingo, yeah. which was brought here by our indigenous people. So I don't, you know, I'm not disputing people aren't seeing something. As a matter of fact, Josh, you know, I, I've long said that people may actually, people that that swear to God, black and blue, they saw a dog man here in Australia may actually be seeing an evil, malevolent entity, and I'm not going to go into that. that that's what because I you think know that's too. not my cup of tea. Um, but our indigenous have never spoken about them. They've spoken about a devil dog, um, which is more akin to if you actually go and read the Dreamtime Legends of the Devil Dog, it's probably it's more closer to what we would talk about as a hellhound than anything else. So they're they're saying they're a, they're a dog that is born of the you know the bad spirits of Earth, and they're, they're they are, they see the devil dog as a supernatural entity. Um, most indigenous people that I've like leaders that I respect just laugh and say, mate, there ain't no dog man here in our country. There's the hairy fella and that's it. And they have long said the hairy man was here before they got here. So um, they said we weren't the first, but like, like your, um, like, like your natives have said that they were not the first people of the America. They were, they said that the, the Sasquatch was there prior to their arrival. And ours, our indigenous have said the same thing here about our about our yowies, but they've never spoken about a dog man. Um, there are a couple of famous um, famous ones there. I'm not going to go into the names of them, but I know through people in the area there that research yowies know this know these particular individuals, and those stories were this person, this particular individual, is an attention seeker. They've been carrying on with seeing all sorts of wonderful things for years. And, um, you know, it's oh, – I and put it this way, the, um, when, a, when, when, when their show was first aired, um, a certain person received quite a few emails as well basically telling him that, that the, that the person was full of crap. So, um, you know, it's a, I, as I said, I think some of the ones are um, – like there was one famous one on Vic's show from Watnobby in New South Wales – um, Watnobby is a full-on Yowie hotspot, mate. I've researched in in Yowies in Watnobby, and it's full of Yowies. And I'm telling you, that kid saw a bipedal Yowie sitting down the back of his paddock. It was not a dog man, um, but you know, may have had may have been a Yowie with a slightly pronounced snout or something like that. But what you guys look at in North America as a flesh and blood dog man is not what they're seeing here in Australia. Keep in mind, we do have some really big native like. We have some really big wild dogs as well from what's been let out into our bush as well. So, I was yeah. thinking, you know, and I would like to speculate on something real quick. The, the dog man, I guess, per se, that if you want to call it that, whatever man it is wolf. here, man wolf, whatever, we, we get different ones. Like, I, I, like me and Sal have talked about it a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And I think there's more than one thing going on. I oh, really I definitely do. think the one you've got down in East Texas, mate, is a breed on its own. Yeah, no, no, no that, doubt. That, that one with the stripes, you know, the story about stripes and that, that comes from that same region. That striped one you guys get down there, I, I still swear to God, is probably some relic of that hyena. You, you, do, you, do you know, do you guys know that you actually had a native hyena to yes, North Yes, absolutely. America the cave hyena. And that's yeah. it, yep. And not the ones that they found up in the bearing, the caves in the bearing no. straight up there, but you actually have one that lived in the southwest of um of the yeah. U.S. and in Texas. People still see them, Simon. In fact, they see yeah. them in Texas. And in fact, or, or Sal, you were just talking about that the other day, yeah. that near Abilene, they see these hyenas. Uh, yeah, I know that they? my grandmother and grandfather claim to have seen a, a, a giant Pleistocene-era-looking hyena in Louisiana. So, yeah, I, I know I know that, th- that they do exist. And, and I, I swear that, like, yeah, that striped... Uh, it has to be something, something similar to that, you know. And maybe the, the, a relic. The, the, what is it? The, the dog face booger. I think that's the one that a lot of people refer to as the Gudgeway. Yeah, the, the Gudgeway. Gudgeway. Um, I, I think yeah, that's Gudgeway. the We don't ever the, hear the, 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 we, Me and Sal have talked about that though. We don't hear much about that in this mm-hmm. area. In, no, in this no I think it's more in LB, LBL. Seems to be a hot the spot LBL for them. Yeah. Yeah. Seems that's to be at. further north is when you get into that. It's. I don't um, think Texas has those. Yeah, around no. the Appalachian. I've got no reports of that. Most of what we get is, and especially in this area of Texas where we're at right now, mm-hmm. we're getting these more tall, tend to be mm-hmm. lankier looking, uh, yep. like like, but with a big upper body, but their legs and their a lot of times we get smaller ones. You know, they look a little, but 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 then we get these rangier, skinnier looking ones. The further you go west, it almost look like coyotes. I mean, mm-hmm. they literally look like little yep. coyotes, and then you get. The further east Texas you go into the big thicket, you're getting like these ones where you're getting these reports of these big ones with big yes. heads. I um, think, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, To just to go along with what uh, Wolf is saying there, um, Simon, is um, I know that years ago I heard a, a podcast between uh, Bear and Kumbo. I know you know who those two researchers are. I certainly do. Well, they, they were talking. Between them, they, they did a... They did a podcast, and I've heard it on other podcasts, but they claimed that when they went researching in East Texas near this place called China Springs, which is yeah, near China the Springs. Angelina National Forest, mm-hmm. uh, they claimed that they saw an 11-foot-tall Sasquatch in that area. Yep. And yeah. Let me, yeah, that the area, Cato Lake area, is, is producing some big ones. Is that, that's down near Brenda Harris's place, isn't it? Is she in there, or is she? No, uh, she's, no, she's New she's, Mexico. She's, uh, yeah. Brenda Harris is out in New Mexico, New Mexico. The, in Albuquerque or somewhere like that. I think. Yeah, from- yeah it's uh, actually it's the well the the she she is a uh, Navajo uh, Native American from the Navajo oh. Nation. That's and, it. Yeah, and you know the whole reservation takes up takes up a good part of the four corners where Ari- the eastern arizona western new mexico and yep. oh, I know all that stuff yeah well, so that's her area and skinwalker ranch is in four corners as well skinwalker ranch yeah it's all that yep. all that area up there it's very mountainous uh i believe was it your wife calls it that's all the high desert area the high desert yeah and and th- that region i've gotten so many weird reports i've gotten gargoyle type humanoid flying creatures and and this is minotaurs weird. minotaurs there's Min- i don't know about minotaur- no, minotaurs no minotaurs i i haven't got any minotaur stories but i, I definitely got this uh, gargoyle looking creature that has a dog type face 
um, it tends to be the same. I get the reports over and over again of that type creature. And they're in the same region, the New Mexico corridor, uh, with these weird looking like thin membrane, membranous type wings. Uh, I did a, I did a, a, a show on it. And then we got, you know, they get like, they have this like weird dog face with this weird little ears. And, and they have like almost like a dog looking paws that are just kind of stub, stub for feet. And, and and you would think that it, these people were crazy if you didn't get like several reports. yeah several reports from the same area almost like and a flap different people. you know and you're going like what is this thing that these people are seeing and then you get in that same region you get Sasquatch yes you do and then you also get Dogman of a different variety mm. yes oh definitely it's a look and I think most most people most people when we hear eyewitness reports are are genuine that they saw something. I don't think there's a there's only a very 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 small percentage that will that fabricate a story just to basically feel liked in a group. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of them um, are anonymous too. I mean, yeah, and and yeah. but there's that's exactly right. You get the anonymous ones, but then and I think sometimes people just really want some help in understanding what they're seeing and trying to put some type of logic around it. And um, you know, it's a uh, and I, I don't dispute what people see, but the problem we have as researchers is then what's actually real and what's supernatural. You know, especially when you're dealing with something like a dog man, because you've got all the history of folklore in them. And let's face it, it's a you know it it looks like an evil bloody right. creature. Do yes. you believe in Do you believe in that though, Simon? That the, that there are supernatural creatures out there. Oh yeah, I've, I have no issues believing in supernatural, mate. I've um, I actually went on my very first um ghost tour recently. Oh, um, cool. I went to a uh, like I've I've always I had a we used to have a um a ghost of an indigenous person haunt our house. Um, wasn't much. I only saw it like a couple of times in a twenty year period. That's crazy. Um, but um, and I've always believed i've heard stories you know from other people and i and i and i'm always open to especially stories about spirits and things like that um and um you know as i said if i just because i'm not a man of god doesn't mean i don't believe there are gods right and um if you believe there are gods then you've got to believe there's the flip side to it and there's devils and demons and everything yes. else mm-hmm. and you know um do I worship a God? No. Do I believe there's a God and there is Satan? Yeah, actually, I do believe there's a God and Satan out there. But they're, um, you know, they're, they're that's, um, I don't, to, without getting too controversial for your listeners, I, to me, they're, I don't see them as a God. You know, they are a being, they are an entity that is there, but there's, there's varying levels of gods. If I could go off, I could talk to you for hours about my theories about gods, but there are gods that exist in forms that are so large from an, from a universe perspective, like you're talking gods that would be an, ent- an energy entity that is almost the size of a galaxy that we couldn't even fathom what they were. We don't have the mental, the grey matter to even comprehend what this type of god, what these gods are. And I, I often say that our that the that the Christian god and that is and I don't mean any disrespect, but it's sort of a little bit lower on the pecking order in the in the realm of gods, if you know what I mean. It's uh, you know, if you you put your titans and your um your 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 old gods, your old Norse gods above the Christian and the 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 Muslim god, if you know if you know where I'm coming from, there's like a deity of gods in my world, if you know what I mean. But I don't worship any of them. But I certainly don't 
don't not believe them in supernatural creatures. Definitely believe um, the Dijin is something that I've um, actually done quite a bit of research on, and I'm a big believer in Dijin. Um, and um, I'm a believer that a lot of these shadow creatures and things that people see are actually Dijin um, embodying himself. I had an incident um, with a, I, I actually had a friend of mine who was telling me about an incident that he had in London where he woke up and he was um he felt like he was um he basically had this black shadow wearing a hat mind you and a lot of the gin sightings when people have had these shadow people have had been wearing hats and it said it was holding him down and he felt he, he was lying in bed next to his girlfriend and he was said he was in the fight of his life and he's fighting this thing off she wasn't even stirring or anything like that and he said he he just knew that if he didn't fight this thing if he would die and he fought it off but Ever since that point, his life has just gone to sh He lost his girlfriend, he lost his um, car, he lost his job, and all sorts of bad things happened to him. And I actually said to him, I said, dude, have you ever thought that this degen's attached itself to you and it's making your life misery? And he actually went off and um, I got through through someone that I'd met through the crypto groups. I found out someone in the US who actually could help the guy out, put him in touch with him, and um, they took it quite seriously. And um, pleased to say now they did, a type of cleansing. I'm not exactly sure how they did it, um, but I believed it involved using the services of another Dijin to uh, like a more powerful one than the one that attached itself to him. And he is now, his life has now taken a turn for the good and it's starting to get better. So um, yeah, I believe in that sort of stuff, Josh, you know, so I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I don't, I, I just, for the sake of the topic of research of dogmen and Sasquatch, I try and cut the supernatural stuff out of it because I find that just makes my life easier. It, it, um, uh, taking in, I'm sorry, Simon, I, I, I understand what you're saying about the, the, the whole thing about man of God and all this stuff. And I, I, I'm like you, I believe in God, but I don't subscribe to any particular religion. And, yep. you know, and, and the belief in God, you know, I, I view it as, hey, God is all powerful. So that means that we humans don't have the brain capacity to particularly understand. I believe that, that not to get into a religious stuff or anything, I just believe that religion is a system of worship and yep. it, 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 it basically narrows you down to something. You believe in God and, and I subscribe to the teachings of Jesus Christ. I'm not subscribing to the teachings of the religion. You know, I can read a Bible yep. and, 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 and understand the teachings of Jesus Christ and follow those. And yep. a lot of people, a lot of people do that. And so totally understand where you're coming from. I, I'm not offended. That's, that's, and that's good. I, I think it's great that people have a faith system to work off. You know, I'm, I probably, if I wanted to align myself to religion, I'm probably closest more to Buddhism than anything else because I just mm -hmm. believe in treating people the way you want to be treated. Yes. And you know, if everybody did that and just be nice to people, we'd all get along. You know, it's uh, that, that's all <laughs> I... I That's how it should be for all the researchers too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, look, there's always the problem is is you, with the research thing is you're always going to get people that are going to put their egos above and beyond because they want to be the first. They want to be the one that gets the notoriety yeah. for it, and they're the look. The, you know, the end of the day, good luck to them, but they're they're wasting their time, guys. You know what? You're not going to have it in in scrolled on your headstone, are you? This is, here lies Simon Young, the person that found Bigfoot. It's never going to be on a headstone. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's and to be honest, I don't want that on my headstone. I want <laughs> here lies Simon Young. He was a nice guy to everyone. You know. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from yeah. on that, and and the the whole thing is is uh, 
you know, not we're not trying to get in religion or anything. I, I think it's a good approach. I think personally that the teachings of Jesus Christ is they teach, you know, that's that's what he was saying. Be nice to everybody. Be yourself, you know, and follow this particular philosophy and go on about your business. Well, I think people took his teachings and, and they, they, perverted yeah, they, it. No, well, that's the human, that's exactly, part of human Josh, experience. The human, human people side of it. People use it for control. Yeah. For that's control, the thing yeah, they take and, it for control. And religion nowadays has become all about control. And, you know, without getting way too off topic, you and I both know what's going on in the world at the moment. And they're trying to pitch one religion against another yeah. to create. Uh, to Division. create a situation Division, that just yeah. isn't there. It's um, correct. And, yeah, um, people who speak know. for Christ, and, and, and it, it always aggravates me because, you know, they're not even being Christian themselves. I had a business partner that was constantly throwing the Bible at me, and yet he was stealing, and I'm like, okay, dude. You, know? <laughs> you usually find the people who are the most righteous when they come to their own religion are actually the less like that in private. They're, well, it's they're, a, um, if they hide... Here's something interesting I was going to tell you along that subject, and I hope my brother doesn't mind me saying this, but my brother at at, at one time was a Satanist, but I, I wouldn't call him a Satanist in the way – he's not now. He's a born-again Christian, but hmm. he was at one time a Satanic in the way that he didn't worship – Lucifer per se, you know, or, or like some overarching evil deity, he, he believed in a group and I'm not going to mention this group's name because they are very, they're very weird. And it was I don't more wanna, like paganism. Well, yeah, but he was part of a group and they believed in like what's, what Simon was saying about the old gods. Mm -hmm. And they believed yeah. that these old gods, if they were able to channel them and bring them across, that they could actually destroy or disrupt the fabric of space and time that that's how powerful they were and i was like he but he was kind of dabbling with that group and i was like why would you support a group who wants to bring something over that is more evil than than even the the worst devil we have in this dimension <laughs> and and according to this group now and i read some of their literature okay now i've read a lot i've read i've read about every religion you could think of I've read the Gita. I've read, you know, uh, every book, Taoism, Taoism, you, you name it, I've read it. But, the, but you know, because you, I, I believe you have to know, to be able to comment and talk about it, you have to know this stuff, you know? Yeah, so Exactly. I, I, this, yeah. this group, I read some of their material, and according to them, Lucifer basically was like, he was against the bringing of these old dark gods to to this this dimension because not only with the, the according to the luciferians and to the, their in their doctrine that it would not only destroy and and destabilize but it would destroy what he had mm -hmm. so yeah. i was thinking so when i read this i i told my brother i was like why would you even contemplate or even like entertain such an idea of some sort of deities, evil, of course, they're just pure evil from another dimension that are worse than, than, than yeah. the worst devil that we could think of, because even the devils that we know, you know, are, would be against it because they would lose everything. And I was like, yeah. and I was listening, I was reading this material and I'm just thinking, wow, what a un just unholy, horrible idea. You well, actually, to be honest, I think I think I think Lucifer actually gets a bad rap when you look at what God sent. God sent him down here as punishment because he tried to buck the system up there and he tried to actually have a bit of free will. And God said, "No way! You know, you're going to go down there and I'm going to make you punish the um the sinners now." So yeah, he has to. His job is to go and punish sinners. 
why should he be evil just because he has to punish sinners? He's actually doing, here's a different perspective. He's, he's punishing sinners. Is that not a good thing? Well, I think I think they all have their role to play. But here's the thing. I was talking to somebody the other day about this, postulating theories and whatever. And one of the things that I noticed was like Lucifer isn't really mentioned in Revelations as the beast. He's not really mentioned as the, the main antagonist of that book, which is odd to me that in several of these uh, books, like when, when, when God calls to the devil, he doesn't necessarily say Lucifer. He's, he's saying, you know, like to when he says, and when Jesus is confronted by Satan, the word Satan is actually Shaitan, mm-hmm. which actually just yep. means unclean spirit. It doesn't say specifically that Lucifer, in our mind, it's him doing it. But it's not really him because, like in 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 uh, the book of uh, Enoch, it's not Lucifer that's the that's causing the problems. It was the two hundred <laughs> watchers right. that were sent yep. down here, and they were the ones that actually caused the problem. And yep. Lucifer, Lucifer was here. Him and his rebellious band of whatever were here. You know, maybe pulling their yeah. shenanigans somewhere. But the but the two hundred watchers were the ones that actually caused the problem. And then there was one in particular that was that taught us how to do war and things like that, mm. so that they became the actual problem. And then they they bred with the daughters of of man and created the Nephilim. And of course, a lot of people subscribe to the idea that the the Bigfoot, Yowie, Yeti, whatever you want to call it, are an offshoot of that Nephilim. Now, if they are part of a, a just a, a hominid species that grew simultaneously simultaneously to us that would kind of give credence to the fact that we are just talking about something that we don't really understand we just know that they're not us they are other than us that so was we the just nephilim give... just a name given by someone in the past to creatures yeah it possibly if you look at you it know? from a very just analytical standpoint and throw the spiritual out there but i do believe in the spiritual aspect now yeah. of course my my co-host here Sal, he believes in the Sitchin idea that they were engineered, that they were, you know, the well, inky do basically, yeah, if yeah. you will. If, yeah. I, if I may, uh, are you familiar with the uh, works of Zechariah Sitchin, uh, Simon? Oh God, yeah, mate. I, I, I actually sort of like to subscribe to the theory that we that we were basically Homo. What is it? Homo erectus was taken out of Africa and spliced with some alien DNA to create Homo sapiens, and we were used to mine gold in there for. 250,000 years or something or other until they got all the gold they needed to repair their atmosphere. And then we apparently got up and walked out of Africa. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, when you that's think the, about that's the, the short version of it. Right. I suppose, a, so when you think about the, 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 just the analytical side, not the spiritual, spiritual side, because I don't discount the spiritual side of all this, you know, as far as it, as far as this is, you know, the whole spirituality demons and everything else is concerned. But when you look at the works of Sitchin, you know, if you remember in the in the twelfth planet that when they were looking for that particular worker, because they were, you know, the crew that they brought with them were tired. You know, they were they were mm-hmm. slaving in the mines, and so they wanted, uh, you know, they wanted relief. They kidnapped uh, Inky's brother en- Enlil and held him for you know held him ransom for for ransom and said, you got to do something. Inky steps in, you know, they have a big meeting. Inky steps in and they talk and everything. And finally, they come up with a solution. Inky says, hey, we're going to build you, you know, we're going to find you a replacement worker, so on and so forth. And then they went, when they went to enact that plan, they 
you know, they went through the selection process and it does mention in there in, in Sitchin's works that they tried out all, all types of animals trying to create these chimeras. And, and to me, that gives credence to why we see a lot of these creatures. Now, when we get mm. to the topic of the Yowie, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the, 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 the hominid, you also have to remember that in Sitchin's work, he mentioned that they went through a bunch of different stages to get the perfect man. And, yep. and so when they finally got the perfect prototype they were looking for, which is in the biblically, if you look at the old Testament in a, from with a, with the historical lens, Adam was the first preferred prototype. Yep. There were others before that were, you know, just didn't make the cut for lack of better words. Yep. So I, I, Look at the Sasquatch, the Yowie, all these other different type of hominids that they were previous prototypes that they did not, that well, they, right. the they Anunnaki, didn't find suitable. Or they could have been, they could have also been the ones that they tried it with, but it didn't work. So they just left them as they were. You know, they could have yes. said, right, well, let's grab this hominid, try and do that. No, it doesn't work. All right, well, let's try this one. And then they finally settled on this one and it worked and bingo. Oh yeah, and you know, that's that's could that be what's truth, going on now? The truth is that, that we were the hominids. The scientific evidence that's come out in the last five years now that there were about twenty five hominids walking this earth all at the same time, all at the same time, yeah. and they were all interbreeding. Oh, I believe that some various stages. And the interesting, the interesting part is that is that actually when you look at the way the Neanderthals crossed, it looks like actually the crossing. They can tell that the Neanderthal um, DNA only came into our genome from male Neanderthals. Mm -hmm. So what that implies is that Neanderthal males were actually probably more than likely assaulting homo sapien females rather than the sex being consensual because you never see the DNA splice going back the other way where a homo sapien male has made a Neanderthal female pregnant. Right. You follow what I mean, guys? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think about this, though, Simon? Me and, and Sal have fielded a report, and we talked about this, where someone in, in Wales, not your South Wales. Of, yep. No, I know Britain. Wales in no, the This UK, is Wales yeah. in, 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 Britain. in Britain. Yeah, British yep. Wales. That, that This person gave us a report of, of a Bigfoot being left by aliens, I guess, because yes. it was a UFO. Yes. yes. I mean, do you think that the extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial, or, um, you know, whatever you want to call them, well, do you think that they're abducting them and messing with DNA too? Uh, that's, that's my, uh, you know, a lot of people try to sort of put credence together and try to tie it together, and I actually think it's probably no more than simple as that. If, they've, if they're running around abducting humans and cows to perform experiments on them and stuff like that, why the hell wouldn't they turn around and they see this dirty great big primate sitting there going, oh, you know, have me one of those, and why are you there? Geez, those dogmen look really interesting, so I think I might take me one of those and experiment on them for a bit too. So maybe, you know, the poor old dogmen and the Bigfoots are just being victims of, They're of just the same thing that the cows are, and, yeah, right? exactly. Maybe <laughs> if, you know, I don't know, has anybody seen a Bigfoot bend over in the forest and have a rectal probe come out its backside? So, <laughs> like it did true. in the South. Do you remember the South Park episode where Cartman got one oh, and every yes, time he yes. bent over, the, the satellite <laughs> disc came out his backside? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yes, I, I, I've, I've been of that, I've been of that position myself. Um, Simon, yep. that that if we are get, we humans 
Homo sapiens sapiens are getting abducted, you know, I, why not them as well? You know, and you've just mentioned cattle. Cattle have been yeah, abducted. Yeah, they would be mutilated. studying every living creature on this planet, I would imagine. They yes. probably abducted rabbits and frogs and things oh, like yes. that just to study them. I, you know, I that's am what, with you. If we, let's face it, if we, if we could build a ship today and fly to another solar system and go to a, habit, a planet that had life on it and we had a bunch of scientists on there, which is probably what would be the first thing we'd do when we got to a planet? We'd go start and look at these life the and we'd gather and specimens and start studying them. Yes, start studying the flora and fauna and, yep. and capturing uh, creatures and everything that moves. And, and, that, and that's another position when, when you think of it from the UFO perspective. I've always, I've always had this particular position because to me it makes sense. First and foremost, because of what you just mentioned, if we, you know, if we had the spaceship, went to another planet that was inhabited, so on and so forth, and what we would do, you know, and we would be looking in general, the scientists would be indifferent to these living creatures of this planet mm -hmm. in general. And so what is so bizarre about an extraterrestrial being yep. looking down at us and being indifferent about us as well? Because in a sense, you can say that man has hubris, and so we see ourselves above the animals, and so a lot of times people, it's easy to be indifferent. Why not, you know, why not that be the case for the extraterrestrials, right? I agree. Yeah, you are making the argument from me on that side. There is also the other flip side of it too is that as I, as I mentioned in one of the posts on one of the things the other day, someone asked the question about it. I said, well, if the government, right, has these, supposedly has alien technology and has these TR-3B aircraft that they can fly to the edge of our solar system in, man, isn't that a perfect stealth vehicle for going out into the woods and picking up the odd, um, you know, rogue cryptid that's going off killing people and stuff like that. So maybe sometimes when people say, oh, they've seen a UFO and then they've, seen them take a Bigfoot, maybe it's actually our government removing a Bigfoot. You know, you, you don't know. Uh, Simon, what do you think about uh, other cryptids like Goatman? What do you think that is? Oh, Goatman, I, uh, you know what? I reckon Goatman, as, as I've always said, too many sightings to not dis to the people have seen it, but could very well be, uh, it could very well be people are seeing satyrs, right? That's what Goatman, you know, if you if you describe Goatman to a letter, it's a satyr. We've all seen Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. We know what a satyr looks like, or we've seen Beowulf, and you know, we've we've seen satyrs and we know what they look like. And they fit it to a T. The other option is, of course, it could be a Sasquatch wearing a goat skin. Now that's just something, you know, that the or 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 it could be an SW. Which you know I won't mention the name in full. I you know I don't, I believe firmly and squarely in SWs, um, and um, I don't want one visiting me. Thanks. So that's all I'm going to say on the matter. But um, yeah, they the they 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 could be just picture a Sasquatch wearing a skin of a goat, like you know it's got the goat head, drapes it over itself to make it look like a goat when it wants to go out and hunt. That could be that. Who knows? But there's definitely seen something out there. What about the but hooves, all... though? Well, all right, yeah, that that kind of then that goes back to the seder, doesn't it? So seder, um, yeah. I think I think there's some, you know, it could be there's I think there's individual goat men out there, like individual goat men, particular stories where a goat man's been, which could be a sasquatch, but then there's other ones where obviously it's something else. 
Um, and as I said, you know, your you, your most likely candidate is a, is a satyr from um, from mythology. But you know, proving more and more nowadays that things certainly that were in mythology weren't actual myths at all; they were real. Yeah, there was real. So, yeah, there's some reality to it. So, you in your in your opinion of Dogman, like just of uh, like what. Just in general, I think Dogman. I think Dog. If you take the classic Michigan Dogman, it is some type of upright walking. Uh, sorry, it's a, no, we shouldn't say upright walking because we know they run around on all fours, Josh. We know they're just they're just as they're probably more agile on for, on all fours than they are. I think one of them. I have a theory around space. I know for a fact Sasquatch probably spend more time and Yowie spend more time actually on all fours than they do on two feet. Um, the reason why I think most of the sightings we see them on two feet is you think about it, you walk into an area, you stumble across it, they're crouched down doing their bit, they hear you, what's they do? They stand up, they look up, and they see you. And then all of a sudden you see them when they stood up and you go, oh, I saw something on two legs. You, you know, know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Then, you know, but, speaking about but, that. Uh, when it runs away from you, it's on all four, but they don't mention that. You know, yes. Um, yes, you did. You know, it, we have an interesting, you know, we have an interesting hypothesis, hypothesis uh, Simon, between uh, Josh and I. And we were talking about, you know, the Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Yowie, all of them. And, of course, the Dogman. We were referencing and, and we, as we spoke, we said, you know, a lot of people mentioned the Dogman bipedal upright walking and sasquatch the same but then we we the more we talked the more we discussed we came to the conclusion and this is our hypothesis that sasquatch probably do quite a bit bipedally upright on two legs but they they spend the majority well they spend the majority of time upright but get down on all fours in order to get out of an area really quick just like you saw mm. and whereas dogman is we postulate that it's the opposite that they spend more time uh, quad you know quadrupedally than they do yep. bipedally and now i can understand that the, the bipedal because also you understand there's there's what is it i'm trying to remember uh one of these animals i think in africa or whatever but they're biped uh, quadrupeds and then but they get up on two legs and hold their hold their front hands out. I think it's something like an ant eater or some some animal of that nature. But they stand up like that to make themselves look bigger. Now I can understand that if if a Sasquatch stands up and lets you see him, he you know it's one of those things. I would venture to say that it's it's saying, hey, look how big I am. You really want to mess with me? You know, and 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 for most people, the average person, you know, they've been programmed to believe that they're nothing more than fairy tales. So when they see one instantly their brain has just been crashed like a computer and they're they're experiencing cognitive dissonance when they're seeing this creature that's supposed yes. to be mythical and i can only imagine i in every time i wonder about it on many many occasions and, and all the time when i think about it i think about josh's encounter with with a dog man i can only imagine what kind of you know his brain just going into overdrive trying mm. to figure out what he was looking at no, I reckon I reckon I'll probably defecate myself the first time I see one in flat in the flesh. Yeah, I, I it wasn't a dog. I, I know that a lot of people have tried to say over the years that, you know, these things look like dogs. I, I don't buy that at all. They they don't look dog like to me. More wolfish. And and and, and the reports that we're getting down here in Texas, <clears throat> like Sal can tell you, they're wolf like. They're not yep. dogs yeah. at all. I, I don't even well, know. Well you what had that a term, um, there was a particular type of um there's a like an old, an ancient 
coyote that um, used to live in the south, like used to live in south parts of America, and they said it it developed the ability to stand on its back legs because it was it had to see up over long, like look for prey over long grassy fields. So it was living in long, like fields of you know four foot high grass. And it had to learn to stand up and walk on its back legs so we could see prey over the top of the grass. And, um, you know, so I think any, any, and we, we see dogs, you know, even dogs on, what's the name there? Dogs can walk on their back legs if they want to. It probably causes them a little bit of pain. Right. And it's awkward for them. It's awkward for them, but you know, we develop that over a few thousand years and it's going to get less awkward and your body's going to change the more you try and do things, you know, like what Josh was saying about our frontal lobes before our, sorry, our, about our emotional lobes because everyone's getting so triggered nowadays being on social media and being exposed to all these <laughs> mm-hmm. things, they're becoming more emotional and their bodies are responding by their emotional part of their brain getting bigger. Yeah, they're, they're, being, they're being programmed. Look at the, the Japanese, you know. Look at look at look at how tall the Japanese have gotten less than a century by yeah. introducing a lot more red meat into their diet. Yes, yes, the better nutrients. You know, are... now I think nowadays they're saying the average height of a Japanese person now is almost six foot. Oh wow, that's that's interesting. the average, yeah. Because and it's because of the change of diet. They've got a lot more Western diet. They're all going taller, so they're not little short. They're not little short Asian. And getting anymore, heart, heart disease at a, an alarming rate too. Yes, except well, in Okinawa. I think Okinawa, they stick to more. Still, don't they stick more to their their their, their for lack of better words, their, more their original diet, yeah. diet. They still stick yep. to that. Okinawa's got the oldest population, oldest average population in the world. They reckon like people there on average live into well into their hundreds. Oh my god! So that's um, interesting. I think the oldest, the oldest, last oldest Japanese person there was 114, and he was an Okinawan. Wow. I know we had so they've a, got no 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 heart disease, no cancer, no nothing. They eat a lot of um red based vegetables, vegetables with um red base in it. So a lot of red cabbages and beetroots and things like that, and no, no, um, very little red a lot meat. Of fish. And consume a lot of fish. That's right. That's now, of course, awesome. that all might all change with Fukushima and the um you know <laughs> and having radioactive fish. Oh, that's, Fukushima. Well, that's a problem. It's just not going to go away. That's yeah. That's it's not. Only thing they did wrong there was build a nuclear reactor on the water, mate. It survived the earthquake. It was a tsunami that did all the damage. Had they built it, you know, inland, it would have been fine. You know what's scary about all that, Simon, is that um, many people fail to realize that we all live in a big fishbowl. Yep. We all live in the same fishbowl. So if something happens on the bottom half of the fishbowl, it'll eventually get to the top, you know? It's oh, Exactly. All- well, and, and, all, of your, all of your wild salmon now are all starting to show traces of radiation and that that are being caught over on the up in the North Pacific Northwest now. All of that crap's dr- drifted over. So that's that's yeah, which that's is a, a scary thought. Now, mm. yep. since, you know, it's so easy because we've we, got off our, on a huge is, tangent about religion and everything now. Oh yes, and, and and see that's that's part of our show. We 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 it, it is the paranormal roundtable. So. Segwaying a little bit outside of a particular niche is not anything uncommon on our show, and, and we're <laughs> okay right. with that. We're okay with that because the, the the at the heart of it all is intelligent discourse, as you know, and, and try to be as rational and reasonable and logical as we can possibly be. Because a lot of things, some some may not want to admit, but they're tied together in one form or another, and it's yeah. part of the whole world that we live in 
many people, and I know I've spoken with Josh about how a lot of people um, are comfortable in the cage, for lack of better words. They don't care to, you know, even entertain the possibility of spirits and yeah. anything of the of the un, in the paranormal realm, if you will. There, there. It just it just causes cause uh, cognitive dissonance, and they. I just find that completely amazing. Why they wouldn't? Yeah, Sal, consider I, that. I'd hate to think that you know death is the end of us. Yeah, I I don't believe that death is the end of us because I'm I'm a believer that the soul is eternal. It's a yeah. small frac frac. It's a small molecule of God that that goes back to the source when we die or whatever next plane of existence is you know has yeah. been deemed for us. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree. I sort of, I'm I like the the Buddhist um, reincarnation. You know, it's um mm -hmm. their way of thinking that we could come back as a you know as a drop of water in our next life, and, and or it's, we could come back as an stuff. insect, or we could come back as a prince. You know, it's um really depends, and and every step in that is about learning and becoming a better person along the way. There must have, in saying that though, there must have been a load of people that haven't been paying attention with those lessons over life if they've been you know, dying and coming back for thousands of years. Oh, yes. Now, I did have a Bigfoot-related question for you. I just yep. thought about this. There's there's a guy on the on – there's another guy who's got a channel. His name is uh, Brian Sullivan. He does World Bigfoot Radio. The and Duke. Duke, yes. The, 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 I know, Duke. Now, that gentleman right there has – gosh, he has got a plethora of knowledge – in regards to the giant, the biblical giants, and, and 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 that's, I would say, from all of the episodes that I've heard of his show, is that that's what he likes to focus on the giants, and of course he doesn't dismiss Bigfoot or anything like that. He just thinks they're all these. It goes into the whole. These are all these different types: Sasquatch slash Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. The Gugwe, all these are different types of these giants. But he also looks into a lot of the biblical stuff where these giants, of course, you know, in the Bible, they were some giants that were reputed to be 36 to 40 feet tall. Mm. You know, yep. I don't doubt it. Well, have you read the book, Josh and um, Sal, you guys, obviously you've been talking about the book of Enoch. Obviously you've read the book of giants. That's my next read. Yeah. The, the whole thing. If you don't the, have a copy, I can send you one. Yeah. The whole, the whole no, oh, no, we got, we got, we got do books know, galore. Do you want to know what I've got? I have got a um, – I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I have a scanned um, copy of um, the Book of Enoch, but it's actually written in the Old English. It was from the pre-Francis Bacon um, translation of the Bible. So it's a cracker of a one. I'll, 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 I will um, – when you reply back to me with an email, Josh, when I send you my – the Yowie email address, I'll, I'll send you a – like text me your email address and I'll send you – when I get home on the weekend, I'll dig it out of my computer and I'll send you the PDF. Oh, that's great. It's about, 20, it's about 25, 25 meg. I might have to drop it up in Google Docs, but it's um, it's actually and, – and it's literally a scanned manuscript of the Book of Enoch from – I think it's around 16 or 1500 or something. Yes, like it that. is. So it's, yes, um, it is. Yeah. So it's a um, – I don't know if you guys have seen that version of it, but it's, um, it's pretty cool because it's really written in that old school tongue and it's uh, – but yeah, the Book of Giants is a great read. Short book, everyone. If you want to read it, um, get a copy of it. Just go to Google and read about it, and then you can read about you know we we the Bible. If you believe in the Bible, um, but the Bible talks about Goliath as being the last of five brothers. Yes. Um, there was symbolism in the five stones that he gathered from the um, 
from the uh, creek to kill to kill um, what David gathered from it was apparently meant to be representative of Goliath's five brothers. That's why he gathered five stones. And Goliath was said to be the last of his kind. Um, and he was also mentioned, I think, in the, he's mentioned in the Book of Giants, but he was also mentioned as not being a really big giant, and they did have a lot of bigger giants. Oh, yeah, so, with it, Og, yeah, Magog, know. a few of those, yep. King Og. It's a, they were, you know, and I, I, I could imagine, I think that would have been amazing to see a real-life giant. And they're probably, as I said, they're probably still out there. They're just hiding in caves in Kandahar, aren't they? Oh, yes. hold on, no, that one got captured by the U.S. government, got brought back to America, so it's probably in some military institution now. Yeah, I've, I've listened to the – I've listened to um, L.A. Marzulli, and he's spoken to – he has spoken to a pilot that claimed that he flew that, that body because the, 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 the special – uh, the special military team, the special operations team, they sent in to go look for a uh, U.S. Marine uh, platoon that had gone missing. They sent in, you know, special ops to go, uh, special ops uh, commandos in there, and they're the ones that encountered it, and they 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 shot it up and killed it. But they said it took so many, you know, so so many bullets to, you know, they had to riddle the body full of bullets. Oh, I bet you they would. In order to drop, in, in order to drop it, but they brought it in. And, L.A. Marzulli spoke to the uh, the pilot that supposedly flew that body out of there, and they said you know, one of those military pallets that you put equipment on supplies. And uh, you know the way he just you know he described everything, I can only imagine this thing being at least fifteen to sixteen feet tall. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it was amazing. Mate, it's, um, and there's the the stories that came out of Afghanistan as well from. Um, the soldiers over there that were coming up against basically what they described as werewolves in the in some of the foothills of um I think it was uh, Western Afghanistan yes. um, up in the mountains there they were um they mm. were encountering and they saw they saw there was a, I remember reading one report of these GIs actually were up in a an aircraft and they were watching this um, dogman slash werewolf on thermal going through a village attacking all of these Taliban guys and taking them all out. And, um, you know, and then you go, you cross, cross reference that to, you know, you go back to that story from the Greek king from, you know, I think it was, I've forgotten his name, but I think it was around 500 BC. Mm -hmm. He traveled to India and he said that he encountered a tribe of these, of these dog headed warriors that were silk weavers. Talking about Marco um, Polo? No, it wasn't Marco Polo. It was another, it it was a Greek king. Well, Marco Polo. Supposedly encountered uh, them as well, and from if you look at the area they describe, they're pretty much talking about that sort of Kandahar um, to um, Kashmir type province, that area of, of yes. between Pakistan and Afghanistan, up in those mountains up there, in those mountainous regions, and they used to come down and trade weapons with the weapons, Indians yeah. and yes. stuff like that, and swap it for silk, and you know, mate, it's sort of. And here we are, you know, you fast forward 2,000, 3,000 years later and we've got people there encountering still. We've got American GIs who are saying they're saying the same sort of things. So, you know, it's a, as I've always said, I've always said Dogman, I believe, has always been around. For, I, I believe it's actually probably a, almost as ancient species as, as we have been here, if not yeah. longer. Um, Cenocephali is, a, is just another name for it, but I, I honestly think that, all of the werewolf lore all came from people citing physical dogmans, dogmen, mm-hmm. you know, throughout Europe. Um, it's a, 
every, all of the history of it's all come from, you know, Alexander the Great talks about dogmen in his writings about having mm -hmm. to face waves of these dog-headed soldiers when they face the Persian army. Um, there was other ones back in Sumerian times. There was Sumerian king um, didn't get a tribute from a particular city, and he sent his troops out to find out why the city and they, hadn't they were, got they, troops. It was overrun and destroyed. That's yeah. right, yeah. and they were all headless, and when they found some survivors up in the hills, they basically said that these dog-headed warriors had come in and killed everyone in the city. Killed everyone. So yeah. it's it's right throughout history. They've they've talked about it. You look at the Aztecs have have a have a god-headed dog that was a guardian of the corn and the underworld. We talked yes. about that, too. Yes. If you, know you, if really you follow the corn belt, if you follow the corn belt through North America, um, yes. like it comes down through the center, and it's right where most of the dogman sightings all are as well. So there's yeah. there's some link there, and I I've even heard agree. stories they're finding yeah, pyramids under lakes yeah. in Minnesota and places like that that probably shows that the Aztecs were actually a Native American tribe that migrated south and took yes. the corn with them yes. and moved into Mexico and into you know into those lower parts of South America there. Oh, yes. The, as a natural thing. So, man, there's so much. There's a lot in this of world literature. that's undiscovered, you know, and un Oh, my un God, you know it. That's true. And, and here, here's another hypothesis that, that, you know, Josh and I had spoken at length about, you know, the physical dog man, wolf, man, wolf, whatever you want to call him. We, yep. we, we discussed at length about all of the, the and we were staying in the, for lack of better words, the scientific realm with facts and physical aspects of it all. And looking at it, you know, we were talking about it and we discussed, well, what could it be? And, you know, I, I proposed just this hypothesis that I think what we see today, these physical dogmen are nothing more than, or, or not, I don't want to trivialize it like that but i think they are they are a they are the feral remnants of the cynocephali which scattered to the four winds all over the world and, and of course it's kind of hard to swim all the way down to australia that's probably why you don't have any down there unless potentially that you know unless they are of a paranormal sort that's you know, right demons all stuff. you know and so Explain, explain what the SW is. The skin, uh, skinwalker, guys. Skinwalker, you know? yeah, because yeah. The, the listeners at home may not know. Yeah, just exactly just, and just so is. people understand, I'm I've 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 learned enough about them. Them speaking to people like Navajo from Navajo Nation and listening to guys like JC Johnson. Oh, yeah. That it is something that literally you can bring your attention to yourself of a skinwalker just by talking about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, these people, uh, these are people that have, um, basically sold their soul and performed black magic to give themselves a magical ability to transform into, into an animal of any type. And as I've always said, they don't fly American airlines or United, mate. Those things can fly astral air so they yes. can get to me in my country, um, irrespective of, of, uh, of geography or whatever. So as I was saying, sometimes what people see down here, there very well may be a, um, a you know, they very well may be skinwalkers here in, um, you know, that have come out and visited people in Australia for whatever reason. Yeah, um, that, who knows? That could, yeah, that that that's a big potential. I mean, because the whole paranormal aspect, the, or supernatural aspect of of the the dogman, or I 
when I think of supernatural um, and, and and a dog man, I'm thinking more along the lines of a werewolf and transformations. Because yeah. yeah. one distinct quality that the werewolf has that the dog man does not have is there's a transformation involved from a That's human right. to, yeah. to this upright walking uh, uh, wolf man, wolf man, wolf beast. Whereas the the dog man is to st- it stays mm. in its form all the time. Yeah. And transformation we know in, usually entails dark black magic. Yes, yes, so yes. So it's um you know it's it's not it's not for the faint hearted. It's um, it's something I don't really care to dabble with. No, I don't. I don't either, mate. It's um. <laughs> You know, they and can, I think they that they're mimicking on. the dog, man. Yes, yes, I oh, think so too. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's a, yeah, we'll give them a bad rap, mate. It's like, you know, it's it's like how many how many times do you see people from certain countries that, um, you know, where, uh, you know, say, for example, an Asian might turn around and he might be from China, do something bad, but then say he's Japanese to so he doesn't give his own countrymen a bad rap. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying all, all – don't please don't get me wrong, don't get offended. I'm just – Giving that this as is an, an example, example you yeah. Might, yes. You might get an Egyptian turning around and doing something to say uh, they, that, that might do something bad and say he's from Iraq to give the Iraqis a bad name. Yeah. Yeah, and you I think that I mean? a lot it's of a- when these creatures, like I got a story that was close to the reservation. It was in Arizona, and these people were driving, uh, and there was a dogman-looking entity that actually ran alongside their car didn't attack the car, but it kept pace with them, and they were going 55, 60 miles an hour, and this thing kept pace with them for a good solid two minutes, yeah. you know, and it just looked unnatural. It looked like uh, a man with a wolf's head running. You know, they yeah. didn't really get a good look at the legs, you know, because it was running, and they and they couldn't, they didn't see the legs or whatever, but they saw the upper body of this thing, and it came out of, you know, off the uh, onto the road and was, like, running alongside them, so... Yep. What what are you to make of that? I mean, obviously, it's near the reservation, Skinwalker. Exactly, of, because it had a supernatural street, ability. Gosh, it, looks, it looks like a dogman, you know. So they describe what they see, and we lump it in the dogman box. But you know, it's a. But as you said, it could have very much been a supernatural experience. Yeah, and you know that that's not what and 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 it's great, you know. I think people, if people want to prove that there's a supernatural that skinwalkers and werewolves are real, that's great. I want to. I don't. Well, I don't want to prove that dogmen are real. I just want to. Oh, what I want. Why? Why I'm in probably this whole research is I want people to understand that they're out there. Yes. What about the Bigfoot? They, they like can the... be, and and Yowies as well. I want them to understand that they're out there, and there's certain measures that people can take to protect themselves from becoming a victim of circumstance. Well, here, here's one thing I wanted to ask you: the 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 whole Yowie thing with the Bigfoot, like we. As me and Sal can tell you, we get reports of very aggressive Bigfoot down here in this region. And yeah. here in Texas, they don't always, they don't always, t- I think further southeast, you they, they become a little skinnier, a little more rangy looking. But from the ones yeah. we get near the thicket, they are very big. Yeah, they're, they're very yeah. large. They're, they're, they're very all, reminiscent. And all of the ones are still, they're all still cranky down south. I, I actually think it's funny because in Australia, the further north you go, they seem to get more aggressive, and especially with the quinkin being quite aggressive up there. I got a little theory on that. It might it might have to do with the fact that they're a you know six hundred pound animal covered in a thick hairy fur, and they're living in a hot environment. Mate, I'd be pretty pissed off if I had to live all day sweat marks off covered in fur. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Just, Summertime here in Texas is so brutal. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it I makes you angry. Yes. Exactly, mate. You know, we, we were, I was telling, we had some temperatures even in Sydney alone. We were up in the 116s last summer. Yeah. So that was what, almost hitting 45 degrees Celsius, which is, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's good horrible. Texas weather as well. And yes. that's right in this, ca- and that's in a capital city here. So, and you boy, guys got when it gets hot like that, spiders. it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Those funnel web spiders, man. That's that's as bad as anything right there. I... Ah, they're all right, mate. I've, I've, I, they, you know, they are the one thing out of all things that actually can chill me to the core is a funnel web. I, I, I can handle any spider, but I've had that many close run-ins with funnel webs over the years. They just, the, they just petrify me. <laughs> and um, wow. I go into Mate, I go into kick-ass kill mode whenever I see. If I see one and it like come, if one attempts to crawl, crawl into my tent or whatever, I, I go or it crawls out of a log on a fire we've just put on there. I go savage on a mate to the point of feral. <laughs> they look like they look like hairless tarantulas, dude. Oh my god, they're they that are big? pretty. Mate, yeah, they're, they're, they're the big. problem with the funnel web is that um, where Deadly. we go camping. Um, where we used to, where we go up in the mountains in our research area, there's a lot of funnel webs up there. And in summertime, the uh, male ones go looking for a female one and they uh, can walk up to a, a half a mile in a night. So oh, they're wow. actually out and active and walking around. The males have the more potent venom, but they're smaller and they mm. don't inject you with stuff. The good news is that my research area just so happens to be only about a 40-minute drive from Katoomba Hospital, which stocks the antivenin for funnel web bites. So, um, you know, if I ever get bitten in my what's-the-name, I will gen- – no one's no one's died from a funnel web bite in Australia since we introduced the antivenin in 1981. Oh, so, that's great. Although yeah. it might be scary, no one's died from one. And there is another spider called – go and look up our mouse spider, Josh. Go and look up the Australian mouse spider. It's a bigger oh, one yeah. than the funnel web. It looks like a funnel web, and they are proving to be more venomous than the funnel web, but they're very, very rare. Oh, uh, wow. That's... And you guys got the red back, too, the red ah, back that's spider. that's nothing, mate. mate yeah, I've I had studied a, I had those. A, I've studied mate, all your Josh, spiders. You, you'll love this one, mate. I had a mate of mine who had an, had one of those uncles that, you know, probably, probably took too many pills at Woodstock during the 60s, and um, – he used to sit on the patio and he would actually get the, the redbacks and get them to bite him because he used to get off on the hallucinogenic effects he got from the venom. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Got, There's actually get... a story, a, a book I think I read. I can't remember the name of it, but I read a book about that from a guy that would actually, yeah. like, do that with Black Widows. Yeah, and... yeah it just, you get immune to it and then it just makes you, then it just gives you a hallucinogenic experience. You just get a hallucinogenic experience from so it. So nasty. You have so many spiders down there. Yeah, yeah uh, you guys have the the marsupials that that that, that evolved from the megafauna from the Pleistocene, I guess. And, yeah, well, that, and, see, this is now you, there's one there. Now I mentioned before about felines. Now you want to talk about two cryptids that I think are very much alive here Tasmanian in Australia. Tiger. The Tasmanian tiger is number one. That should never have been declared an extinct species. I, I have seen a photograph alive. from a. They they said it was never on the mainland. It was only in Tasmania. Well, I have seen a photograph from 1873, which was taken on a um, of a property in Bendigo where the guy had um, 76 dead Tasmanian tigers shot and all hung up along his fence on his property, displaying them and took a photo of it. So they were definitely here on the mainland. They've been sighted around South Australia and up into far north Queensland like there's been, I think, since they were declared um, – the extinct years ago, there has been over six and a half thousand sightings of them on the mainland alone. 
So they're definitely there. But what what everyone talks about, you hear people talk about the panther here in Australia. Um, there's a bunch of us out here that actually think the panther is um, what we're seeing out here is a melanistic version of an of another marsupial we had here, which was more broadly called the marsupial lion. Mm-hmm. Scientific name was Thalicaleo. Okay. Um, uh, so this was a – now you're talking about something that was an arboreal creature, had very long claws at the front. It was a tree climber, and it, but it was also aquatic. It loved the water as much as it loved trees, and it would drop down out of trees onto its prey and bite them on the back of the head. And we still find a lot of prey that's been attacked this way out there, and a lot of people describe these panthers as having a very short snout. Well, if you look at a thalicaleo, they have like two – Two very their canines are more like two big, really sharp beaver teeth, if you know what I mean. So yes. picture if you go and have a look at the Thalicaleo fossils online, you go, Oh my god, they look like really sharp beaver teeth. Yes. But they're actually cane or feline canines canines it has is it's you know, for eating and attacking and it's got an enormous amount of power in its um in its jaw for crushing skulls. Now I think definitely Thalicaleo is out there and still alive today. Um, my um, one of the um, other admins of the Dogman Group, my mate Dallas Dallas has had two. So he saw a breeding pair about three years ago. Literally, he was um, he'd been out um, doing. He does a bit of amateur wildlife photography. He just packed all his cameras back in the car, jumped in the car, lit up a cigarette, and two just walked straight out in the bush in front of his car. And he's looking at these two sand. Now these were sandy coloured, which is the traditional colour. They say they are. He said they had really long tails. He said they were. The, he said they look like panthers, but were sandy, like light brown, sandy in colour. But he said the weird thing about it was, is they had rounded ears, so they weren't pointy like a dog. They were actually rounded like a cat, mm-hmm. and um, like a you know how some of the cats have those sort of like a leopard has those little round ears. Yes. That's what they were like. And um, he said he knew straight away. He didn't know what he was looking at, and it wasn't until about. A year later, he was actually in a, the Crypto Museum in the Gold Coast and he walked in there and they've got like a model of a thalicaleo that they've built in there of what they think one lo- looks like. And he said to the guy, he said, mate, I've saw two of those down out the back of what's name uh, um, a year ago. And um, it's funny, we reported that to a guy called Gary Opert, who's like, you know, one of the grandfathers of cryptozoology in Australia. And Gary um, said to me, he said, that's actually the fourth sighting they've had from that area in five years of something very, very similar to it. What, <clears throat> what about the lizards in the area? So, oh, the giant lizards. We've got monitor lizards over here. I think. No, 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 no. Um, or the goanna. <clears throat> yeah, I'm talking about some, the big one. Oh, the, apparently there's some T-Rex thing with a three-toed footprint running around out there. Never, never really seen much or heard much about it. Um, Rex Gilroy, who is a cryptos, who's the other grandfather of cryptozoology in Australia. Rex has probably done the most amount of work into it, and he's actually got a. I think he's got a book written on the topic. But he he's got a print of what he claims to be one a cast of one which um is it's bloody enormous it looks like a massive T Rex print from Jurassic Park. But what about the four legged? So, There's one that that, that that would crawl around on all fours with with the, with the legs kind of spread out. Uh, the Aborigines call it the hold on one second. The Aborigines called it like the, the during the dream time they called it the before time. Oh yeah, well, it could have been anything from the dream time, right? Remember, dream time to them is is our version of mythology as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, the, but, but they, there, they, there was actually like I saw a show about it uh, years ago 
that there was an actual creature that that, that that's that based upon, yeah. and they yeah. they would trap it in the brush and kill it. They they killed them off by, no, by burning them. It's probably something similar to a goanna. They're a huge lizard we have over here. They're a, they're from that you know the Komodo dragon type lizards. Yeah, yeah. but these but the these were said and... to be like the size of like Volkswagens. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one that Rex does. I've I've never really researched into them. Josh, you're asking the wrong person about them, mate. Sorry. <laughs> I don't do reptiles. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting, though. Well, that no, people I don't were mind still snakes, mind you. I, I, I do actually like snakes. It's um, see a lot of snakes when I'm out, and um, you know they're just they're just usually just trying to do their bit. Yeah. Ten of the deadliest snakes on earth, I believe, are out there, aren't they? Yeah, but you know, I came across the probably one of the most one of the more deadlier ones on a the last I think last third time about two months ago when I was out on a night out, I came across one, and yeah, just sort of. Looked at him. He looked at me. He crawled away. I crawled, walked away. That's hey, when you step huh? on him, you're going to get bitten. In the area you're at too, though, there's not really crocodiles either, right? That's, that's no, a... no. We we crocodiles pretty much. You've um, if you think, I suppose I I'm probably wrong in this, but if you think about where the Tropic of Capricorn, I think it's Capricorn, yeah, Tropic mm-hmm. of Capricorn is above that line would be where the crocodiles start. They're in far north Queensland. Probably okay. about halfway down the state and all through the Northern Territory and over in the north part of Western Australia too. But remember, these are salties too. These are saltwater crocodiles. They, they mate, I've people have even seen them out in the Barrier Reef. They swum wow. that far and got out into the reef as well, looking for fish and that. Well, so they're big it's, enough um, to they're big enough to fend for themselves out in the big water, though, right? Oh, mate, they you you have no idea. So I've heard of stories of them getting five or six meters long out here. They're bloody enormous. Wow. <laughs> That's and crazy. Mate, like I, 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 if crocodiles come to come to our rivers down here, we'll all stop stop swimming in them. Trust me. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. And then of course the coast has great whites, like big time. I mean, uh, I mean, we got you got more chance of being eaten by a bull shark in a river than you do of being eaten by great oh, whites. Bull sharks are here too in in the rivers. Believe me. Mm. Yeah, they yeah, caught the them up in the Mississippi. You know. Yeah, that's you one know, thing. That's one thing we have here in the States that, you know, the Mississippi River is so huge and wide that, you know, they've caught sharks two, three, mm. four hundred miles yeah. inland on, on the, uh, you know, into the Mississippi. There's still people that believe that a bull, that bull sharks are just in the ocean. I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> they go into brackish water to, to birth yeah, their young. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll they, tell you this. They will come at least 100 k's up our stream to go and mm-hmm. breed too, yeah. up, uh, up uh, Hawkesbury River in Sydney. Well, I'll tell you this, Simon, and, and um, I mentioned it before in a previous episode. You know, and, and this this alludes to just strange things and strange things that you 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 can encounter. The encounter itself will be strange, but not the contents contained within the encounter. And I'll just tell you this: I grew up in Central Texas, and to to be more exact, approximately seventeen miles from the geographical heart of Texas. Now, when you get out into that area of Texas, it's a lot of bush. It's a lot of rough bush, a lot of rocks, a lot of, a lot of mesquite, you know, stuff that, 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 yeah, if you're not dressed for it and you're out there, you know, like the old cowboys of the old West, if they weren't wearing their leather chaps, guess yeah, what? They were going to get, get scratched. Cool. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yep. Now, in that area, to go, on with the, to go on with this event is that I had a friend of mine that, I've, that I know from back home. He told me that one of his friends had gone out fishing near this town called Coleman, Texas. 
And of course, it's rural. When you're in that area where I grew up, it's rural for at least an hour and a half in any which way. It's very rural. It's no, there's no big towns. So fishing, hunting, it's quite the norm all around that area. Well, this friend of his, this friend of my friend, and uh, was out fishing late at night out near Coleman, Texas, on this creek, and he kept he kept hearing things for because they were out there for a few days and a couple of nights. Kept hearing this 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 awful sound at night. Well, they decided to investigate. Upon investigation, when they found the source of this uh, sound, they found a they found a gator or aka an alligator out there that far in Texas. Imagine that. What are the chances? Huh. You know, it's like finding a gator. You know, down there where you're at. You know, in in that part of yeah. Australia. Yeah, it's um. Was it barking by any chance? I I I. He didn't elaborate on the sounds, but he, they said it was definitely. It wasn't natural. They they're very, you know, they're very familiar with all the local wildlife. And but when they finally decided to go investigate, and it was at night, they had their they had their flashlights, aka for for all the people in Australia and and Europe and Britain their torches they lit them up and they started looking down along this this creek bank and they came up on this alligator out there would that be would that be horde creek by any chance excuse me did they mention the name of the creek was it horde creek you know I'd i'm be, looking at it right now i'm looking at um coleman now on the map i would let me let me go there, there is a creek that computer. runs right past the coleman to the great western cattle trail there's a creek that runs right through town like uh, from the outskirts yes. to town called um, Horde Creek. Yes, it, it, it. I would say that it's probably Horde Hordes. Creek or Sorry, any of the little tributaries the out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and they found an alligator. So, and then you can see, you know, how far away you can find them around the Houston area, and Beaumont and all that. The as you're looking at your map that you say you were, if you look at the Houston area and and. and what basically east and northeast, all that area, it's not uncommon to find alligators there because they're all that, that, that's normal to find them. And of course, southern Louisiana, it's not unusual, but yeah, they found one all the way out there in that part of Texas. Imagine it's a long that. way from home, yeah, yeah, it was. But that, that's the, the, those are the kind of strange things that 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 go on and you know, makes makes you wonder. Because I personally, you know, I've always wondered about Australia. I've always wanted to visit Australia. Well, there was a guy that, that claimed that here in Lake Travis, when he was, I guess, a kid, mm -hmm. that him and his dad actually caught a baby crocodile. It was a little bitty one, but it, had, it hadn't grown. It was, it was just a freshwater crocodile. But my theory was that somebody had just... Somebody threw it in there. Threw it in there to see, let's see if this thing will grow. And yeah. they they managed to catch it at, as a juvenile. It was little, and they turned it over to the Parks and Wildlife you know. Department. Pro yeah. Probably probably same similar thing happened with that other one. Someone's probably had it as a pet or something and thrown Might it in possibly. the local river. And, it, you know, those ones are fine as long as you don't put a breeding pair out there. <laughs> I just <laughs> hope that your trouble. spiders don't ever come here. That's all I know. <laughs> Mate, you guys already, have a spider I believe problem, the redback dude. already made its way to Japan in a bit of timber. They're finding them in their drains over in Japan mm -hmm. now. So, um, so and, um, interesting. Well, I'm Houston, surprised they Houston's haven't hitched right a ride on the plane. Josh, you're at Austin, aren't you? Yes, we're, yes. In, we're in Austin. We're in, the Aust we're, we're in Austin, and it's uh, – 
It's quite weird here itself. There, uh, you Simon, if you weird, ever come down right, yeah, here. You were telling me, Josh, you got a bunch of weirdos around Austin Avenue. It's full of weirdos. Not <laughs> most of them, most of them said... are migrants from other states. One in yeah, particular. Yeah, from California. <laughs> yeah. We got, yeah. We got a lot of uh, – there's a lot of people here in Austin. Now, there, there were people on the Paranormal Roundtable discussion uh, on Facebook talking about vampires. Yes. Yeah. And, and and I know that that sounds like a very odd subject, but I can tell you this. My brother's son, he Your nephew <laughs> de- dealt with what he believed were vampires in New Orleans when he was down there. And also that other witness well, we that's spoke always to. Got a oh, yeah, there's another witness we spoke to. Now, I got, I got four or five vampire stories, and I, one of them was an ex-girlfriend that I kind of pushed to tell me her story, and she eventually did. It happened in El Paso. One thing me and Sal have noticed, though, like when you get into the stories of like, okay, like we were talking about reptiles, we get yes. into these stories of these like velociraptor looking creatures that we, yes. we hear about, the gargoyle looking creatures, yeah. the werewolf creatures, the the dog man, the Bigfoot, the different types of Bigfoot. You, you'll notice a thread in certain regions. And one thing I've learned about the vampire type stories mythos or lore whatever Mm -hmm. is it comes from certain regions now there is a city here in texas that we hear sal you want to tell them what city comes up here in texas about the vampire legend oh my god now you have me drawing a blank you just drop you just dropped the ball i dropped the ball big tony what was it el paso yeah that's the only thing that was coming to mind i thought yeah i was gonna say (laughs) i was gonna say don't tell me it's austin because the only thing i know of is no 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 not here it's at el paso that that's one of the ones that comes up a lot but i thought you remember we talked about that. yes yes yeah but uh that and then new orleans of course is one that that everybody seems to believe has a culture of yeah of vampirism and we had a a witness it's in El Paso is like what? How many hours from here? Ten hours? Eight to ten, yes. It's a long Depending way. on how you drive. Eight to I ten, ten hours from here. Down yes. I-10, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say eight. Mm-hmm. Eight hours. It's you, far west Texas. Yes, that is the very tip of west, west Texas. Texas in the panhandle. That's the very tip. It's a border town. To get into New Mexico from El Paso proper is Pretty maybe five city. minutes, ten minutes at the most. And you're in inside the you, you know you cross the state line into uh new mexico unfortunately so i've had two ex-girlfriends from actually one <laughs> also one, el paso is actually oh i can say yeah okay. yeah it's, it's in a far in tip yep. yes it's up there in that tip right there yeah so, one, one ex-girlfriend that i had from there actually told me a very horrifying story of a vampire type creature that that reminded me of what could have been like some sort of entity transforming into something, but I don't, I don't know what it was, but we ha- we get like reports. And then of course, El Paso seems to be a place where we hear about it. There's another city that has come up uh, a few times, uh, Sacramento. Yeah. Sacramento. I've gotten a couple stories out of Sacramento. The, 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 the thing that always gets me is like, I keep in like Armando can attest to this and all my guys in the, at the round table here can tell you, I keep, used to keep really meticulous journals and when i would get a story i would go in i would listen to it then i would go write it down or i would record it and i would i would try to commit it to memory as best i could and some of these stories you'll you'll put one away in like an obscure kind of miscellaneous file but then later on you'll hear another story that comes from someone completely different 
about and a lot of similarities. About a lot of the similar, yeah, similarities. And then you'll be like, whoa, like that smacks of the other story. And then, and so what ended up happening was I got four stories out of El Paso that were pretty hardcore, and two of them were very similar. The one was just really weird, and then there was there was there was another one that I couldn't really explain, but it was sort of the same thread. But two that were almost identical, and then New Orleans, I got about half a dozen stories out of New Orleans, and me and Armando actually had a guy that we both interviewed together, and he told us this crazy story about being in a nightclub, and mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're going to do a show about that. So. Yes, yeah, he's this this uh, this particular witness is kind of like. Josh, he is a, he is a magnet for <laughs> he's a magnet for people just telling him everything. I don't know how that works, but he's always had people tell him stories. Well, I'm not a magnet for it because I ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like people just come up and volunteer. Every once in a while, somebody will volunteer something, but most of the time, it's because I'm either listening to a podcast that they hear, like it's like the guy that I worked with. I guess maybe I'm jealous because I don't have random people. Ever never had one just say, you know, tell me they're a weird not going to do that, man. You have to. My dad used to say, "You make your own luck, son." Yeah, you got. You have to go up to people and you got to be brash enough to be like, "Hey, has anything weird ever happened to you, Simon?" Because I've worked security <laughs> and I worked in a club for ten years. I worked security for twenty years. So you take that much together and you go, "How many? How many people did I work with?" People will a lot of times they'll say. No, nothing weird's ever happened to me. Bull, sh bull crap. Okay, <laughs> I, that's bull crap. What ends up happening is they'll say, "Well, there was this one thing," or they'll say, "No, but I know somebody who did have something weird happen to him." And if you push them, a lot of times they'll they'll put you in touch with these other people. And I never knew what I was going to do with all this information. Like I, my wife was just like, "You collected all this information. What are you going to do with it?" And I'm like, "I thought maybe I would write a book, but I'm not a good writer, but I am a good speaker." And so I was like, you know what? I'll just tell these stories, you know? And so that's how this all came to be. I collected, mm -hmm. and you know what really sparked it? What the, 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 the match that lit it was seeing that thing when I was 15 years old. That's what really did it. Because before that, I had a few little weird paranormal like ghost experiences, but it wasn't enough to make me start looking. Yeah, I, I, I was into ghosts, but mm -hmm. I wasn't into cryptids at all. But after I saw that thing when I was 15, that's when everything just kind of, you know, went into high gear. I believed in the Bigfoot before that, but I didn't really, I didn't know what it was. And I wasn't like totally interested in it. I just kind of thought it was like a cool monster, you know, or something. But werewolf, dog man, heck no. I didn't believe in that. And we, and we had legends of them. Like I've told over the years, uh, these stories over different platforms, I've told stories about these creatures I've told the legends that we have in my hometown. Uh, my nephew's sitting right here. He can attest that we grew up listening to to, to the the older Hispanics, you know, in, in our family. Yeah, tell a lot us of superstition in the Hispanic about the quejo and all these other like the hombre lobo and all these weird stories about these creatures, these entities. Like I didn't know what these things were. I just thought that they were all just a bunch of legends, and they were just there for scaring you into behaving. But then uh, when I was fifteen and I saw something, then then it was like, okay, this is real. And then all of a sudden, like almost immediately, everything that I had ever heard was like a possibly real thing. And it's like yeah. overnight, you know? 
And but but yeah, then 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 I began to try to figure out what this thing was, and I still haven't figured it out. And it's been you know I don't know what twenty. And that's what's led us to this, you know, because yeah. we're both we both we're like you in, in terms of we want to know what this is. At the end of the day, whatever comes of this show that we're doing, it, it it's we're really not, you know, we're not gonna get worked up about it people. but we're learning educate people we're learning we're yeah just learning. we're just you know and we're not we're not in so, this for money or fame, fame or, or anything yeah. Yeah. i don't give a crap about none of that dude i mean i have a business that that, that i run already i don't need that i just all i want to do is just i, I want i want to know you know and the more I, I but i was telling sal that the more doors we close on something the more open up yeah the more yeah. things that we think okay we figured this one out well then two more questions pop up you know yeah. it's like oh, it never ends all the time mate definitely um, i think it's it's one of those things where you're talking before about going off on tangents when you have a conversation but you've got to go off on those tangents because what you're talking about there has a lot of relevance to what you're about to talk about so you've got to you've got to go off on this tangent and talk about that before you can then come back to the core topic and keep going on that because if you don't understand what you're going off on the, on the tangent about you won't understand the rest of the core topic <laughs> yes <laughs> it is yeah yeah, it's always the way. Look, guys, I've actually got to go and do some work. Um, we have been chatting for a couple of hours now, believe it or not. Yes, we have. But um, I'm happy to have a longer chat with you again if or another chat with you again if you want to do another bit and then piece it all together as one show or whatever. It's, um, if there's other stuff you want to ask me, we can do it again on the weekend. Yeah, well, we can um, do another show. Yeah, I mean, we this can is do another enough show. material this is for a show right here. Yeah, because yep. I, I know – I know Australia is full of other cryptids apart from the Yowie and a few of the others you mentioned. I know there's probably a lot of odd reports that people get that are that are more or less obscure and, and are not really publicized. And unless you're one of those junkies that are, that are looking for those odd, obscure, rare finds in, in, in cryptid lore in Australia, I'm sure that there's plenty of, of, of those out yeah. there. Just the creatures well, that we um, know about are scary. Also- tell you about a couple of um i can tell you about a couple of my um my sort of closer encounters i mean i have had one um i'll just leave everyone with a little bit of a tidbit but i have had one we nicknamed mr sniffy that was um literally about probably two foot away from my head on the other side of my tent sniffing me through the tent at about four o'clock in the morning and um it was one of those summers where um you know it's nice and warm and i'd left the tent open at the front but just the fly screen part shut so I could mm-hmm. see out of the tent and I watched this thing actually walk past the front of my tent. Now, I imagine it's a two-man dome tent, quite small, mm-hmm. um, but I could not see where its legs met in the crotch when it walked past the front of my tent. And I'm lying down on the ground, so it was bloody big. It would have been at least 10 wow. foot tall. And, um, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you've got something that sounds like a horse or a cow doing this most deeping, deepest sniffing sounds with a massive lung capacity right next to your head. You sort of – I was like, is that a cow or a horse? And – I'm like, then your reality hits you that you're out doing research, yari research with your mates. And I knew it wasn't dreaming because it literally took a couple of steps and then one of the guys in the other tent stirred and made a bit of a groaning noise and it took off running. And then and I pretty much stayed awake for the rest of the night listening out for the return of this thing and it never came back. And then when I got up in the morning and when the two guys in the other tent got up, the first thing they said, they said, did you hear something run through real, like really heavy run through the camp last night? And I went, oh, boys, let me tell you. I, let me, I've got a story to tell you. So, um, yeah, it's um, – but, yeah, I've got a couple of stories like that I can share with you, with your Definitely. crew as well. And, and the time when we got actually walked out by a troop when we walked into the wrong area and it's, that's a, that was a pretty – 
that stopped me from actually going. That happened years ago, Josh, and I didn't go back out researching for 12 years after that. So, yeah, I don't um, blame you at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, but I, but but there's more info, more things to chat about for another time. Definitely, absolutely, definitely. Thanks for being with us, Simon. That's all right. No, it's um, as I said, you know, all I've learned about dogmen, I'm I'm hanging to come over to the US and actually go and do some physical research on the dogman with people. Um, I'd love to get out in the field. Um, and you know, all all that I've learned about dogmen is being because as you know, I got involved with David Coleman um very early on in the piece, and David made me an admin of the Dogman Believers Group. I've since sort of moved on from that group to focus with Chris and um, the group that, you know, me and Chris have been working on Dogman X, which we're trying to sort of just say, right, let's focus on the, the flesh and blood Dogman and let's yes. look at behavioural traits and and view it from a bit more of a scientific perspective. Yes. Um, so, you know, I've learned a lot from that. I've learned a lot from talking to witnesses and picked up a lot of things. And, and as you can probably hear from what I talk about, I'm a well-read person as well. I try to broaden my research. You know, as I say to people in this thing, if you want to go and research Bigfoot, you've got to become a bit of a, an, an anthropologist and an archaeologist because you've got to understand about if you want to unlock answers, you've got to understand about hominins, about the development of hominins and how we – came about on this world you know it's um you can't just sort of do it from that perspective do it from one perspective you've got to go and research into things like infrasound and ultrasound and yes. understand things like that and how they how they can possibly affect people because i i always say that there is uh, someone made a quote the other day there is nothing um supernatural or unnatural in this world just our understanding of what is not natural and yes. I think that's the case of, um, you know, there's, 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 I think there's, um, you know, people say Bigfoot's cloak. I argue with that and say that they're actually got an ability to blend in um, and they may have an ability to, you know, I've hypothesized and said maybe they can use a electric. We all know that they can affect some type of electrical charge. Mm -hmm. So maybe they have an ability to use the charge within their body to excite a hair follicle to make that hair follicle, um, that something happens with that hair follicle, that hair follicle can gather light around it and reflect whatever colour light is around it back onto its thing. So they may have that type of an ability there rather than saying they cloak, right, saying mm -hmm. they have an ability to actually oh, yes. go into a full camouflage mode from just a trait that they have internally. You know, oh, and I've definitely. seen guys over there in, in the States who've been shining red light through. They've got what they pretty much think is Sasquatch hair and they've shined red light through it and it, and it comes out red. They shine green light through it and it looks green. They shine blue light through it and it looks blue. So some of those things, are, you know, when people have looked at the things and they found out that the medulla is, um, is quite hollow, which is not the case of any other. It's different to other types of mammal hair. So like a polar bear, you know, how they have a clear hair that can – reflect back light maybe the bigfoot's got a similar thing capability on that That's a i think good some of, you know maybe it's infrasound affecting our us our vision and our vision's going blurry because of exposure to infrasound and that's why we see them blur and fade into the background there's i think there's a scientific explanation other than just saying he went through a portal or um you know he went through he went into cloak mode because let's face it if you understand cloaking from a scientific perspective yes scientists have managed to actually get something to cloak but the reality of it is it required a hell of a lot of energy and all they managed to cloak was something the size of the head of a pin 
You know, it's a, a they they can't make a car disappear, for example. All of that that's that thing on that was going around YouTube about that guy that had that invisibility cloak, the Japanese, it was an Asian guy holding up this cloak and he'd disappear. That all came out a couple of months later that they'd, they'd fake the whole thing using green screens and all he was doing was holding up a green cloth. Yes. So um, the then the green and then they and they just superimposed that with the same video of him walking down through that area later and superimposed the the um, the background onto the green cloth. So it made it look like he had a cloth that could literally cloak, but it was all done, you know, smoke and mirrors, guys. Oh yeah. So um, you know, but yeah, there is truth. Scientists have actually been able to cloak something, but the size of a head of a pin, not a bloody six hundred pound, eleven foot tall creature. Um, you know that that has that doesn't have a massive big power source strapped to its wrist like the predator did. I mean, remember predator he cloaked in the movie, but that thing in his wrist had enough power in there to also turn into a small thermonuclear device at the yep. end of the movie when he wanted off himself. So, That's you know, true. learn science, guys. Understands what's what's actually capable in the realm of science before you come up with wild poppycock theories about oh they did this and they did that and try and actually look at what we know and maybe think a little bit outside of the box of how a scientific principle could be applied for <clears throat> to explain something there you know it's a and and the answers are out there if you go and look you know you've just got to um as as people are prepared to tick off the I just think when they say oh, I went through a portal that just ticks off the easy part you know I saw it go through a portal oh, okay yeah. well why didn't you follow it <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, seriously, guys. If pe I saw people portal, say that they, they do portal, tell us dude, that they tell us that they see these things like disappearing, like they'll go and they'll disappear. I've but saw, who's going to want to follow it though? In, Why I've would you follow it? I've seen it, a though? Yowie take two steps into the bush, Josh, and disappear on me. But yeah. it didn't walk through a portal. Yeah. It blended in so well with its background. Well, I, it just I'm, I'm not, I'm not arguing that, that these people are correct. I'm just me huh. and Sal get the story and tell hey. This is what so and so said. It doesn't mean that we believe it or that it's true. Yeah, it just that, means that oh, that's. Oh no, I get that, but yeah. that's what I wish people would do: is start yeah. to, is actually give it a little bit of thought, guys, and think. All right, what did I see? All right, I saw this thing. How could it have done it? Yeah, be a little Ask more. Ask yourself how it could have done it. No, right. not just. I've never seen ball, Bigfoot, right? so I couldn't tell you how it does it. I'm an adventure person, mate. If I ever saw a portal out in the bloody bush, guess what? I'd be walking through it, mate. Not me. I wouldn't even bat an eyelid. I'd go straight through it because I would want to see what's on the other side. What What happens if that portal though closes and you're stuck over there in the in the in the other tough, side? Tough. Well, we're gonna have a hell of an adventure. In the Cretaceous aren't I? era with the <laughs> Tyrannosaurus Rex. But seriously, that, seriously, I, I if portals were real, I mean, once again, you know, I've I've done a lot of work into this. The reason why I say that is because I've looked into the science of actually portals, and I. Inter, while interdimensional travel through portals is in theory is is a theory, if you understand the science behind it, a lot of scientists don't actually think it's possible. They think they will say different dimensions exist, but slipping between the dimensions is is an impossibility. So, and you know, it's interesting when a science says yes, the dimensions do exist, but you 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 couldn't move between the dimensions because of the reasons that they give, if you know what I mean. You know, so it's like go and study a little bit of science around that and broaden your broaden your um I yeah. suppose oh, you yes. know your areas of interest because when you're when you're looking at cryptids, you know, learn some languages as well. Learn about languages. 
um, about cultures, about where people came from. I mean, half the people probably don't know that Native Americans all came from Asia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, because you, and I because know you can tell when someone is from. Cryptids. Well, when someone has that Asiatic gene, their, 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 their top teeth will be curved. Yep. Yeah, you could take and your tongue have, and curve your teeth. My teeth are like that because I have I'm actually one eighth Native American. But you know, a lot of people say, "Well, that that's not a lot." Well, it is. When my great grandmother was full blooded, she was Comanche, so there's not a lot of Comanches left. They're gone. I mean, they're completely yeah. almost wiped out because they were so warlike. But yeah, <laughs> that, that that that's the thing that people don't realize is like you know I do know a lot about history and I know a lot about. Uh, hmm. But when 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 I when I tell stories though. And just to, just to clarify to make sure is like I I don't say hey, you know this is exactly this is what I believe I'm not believing you know all I'm saying is yeah. this is what people are saying people say that they see these things there was a woman that me and Sal talked about she saw she saw what looked like to me it was kind of like the Skinwalker Ranch where they saw into what looked like another dimension she didn't see anything come or go from that. Just she was like a tear. It was a tear, yeah. Well, and what was even weirder was it br- It was in Brian Head, Utah, which isn't far from the skin. It's in Utah. It's not too far away not from the Not too far from area. the whole, yeah, that whole area. Well, see, but these, these tears in fabric, in time and space fabric as well, that could be a tear in time and face fabric. Th- that's what it that, sounded uh, like, yeah. I, I think a lot of it's got to do with what's going on over in CERN. There's CERN. a lot of stuff going yes. on in the CERN laboratory. Absolutely. We've talked about, about that too, Simon, that like CERN, <laughs> That these things that are happening, you know, could yeah. be CERN. I mean, it could be when like, Stephen, you know. When guys like Stephen Hawking says he's worried about what they're doing, I think we should all be worried about oh, what they're yeah, doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because they're, they're trying to work out how to undo creation. Oh, absolutely. Yes, like, I agree with that. And I'm not talking talking about undo the create, how, how they're looking at the atomic structure and trying to work out how to undo an atom. Yeah, mm. that is really scary because really they could scary. start, you know. And there's there's all these people talking about. Have you heard all these phenomenon things about people being chased by these by basically dark matter over in America? They're out in the woods, and all of a sudden it just goes pitch black dark in the middle of the day. Or there's truck drivers who said they've been chased by this darkness on their their trucks being chased by a darkness. Yeah, that's there's some scary. weird stuff going on there, guys. I'll, I'll tell stuff. you. I'll tell you something about that, Simon, and then we'll we'll end it with with that. But here, here's what I'm going to tell you about that. I've told Sal this, and I've told you know several people that I don't believe that there is a devil entity that is the opposite of God. I believe that to me, my belief is that God is the light. He is the center, the creation, everything. Is, he's the source. Okay, so to speak. Uh, this is what I believe, and I believe mm-hmm. that this darkness, the dark matter, because it says in Isaiah that iniquity is a mystery we know not from which it comes. It sounds a lot like the darkness, because I know that I was reading in something, and it may it may or may not have been the Kabbalah. I'm not real sure if that was where I read, but it was, I don't quote me, because I've read so many esoteric books, but that that it was talking about a dark angel and it didn't necessarily call him uh, Lucifer, but it said that he was like a, a dark angel entity and that his heart was, was, was consumed by a darkness. And yeah. it never really postulates on what that darkness is. It doesn't really say, it doesn't go into like any sort of detail about that uh, darkness. And like I said, I'm not proselytizing, trying to get people to yeah. believe the way I believe. I'm just saying that there was there was this pause for me and I was reading whatever it was when I was a young man and I remember just thinking that 
darkness is the opposite of the light. It is, yeah. it, it is in of itself what created the devils. It is what hardened their heart against God. It is what caused the rebellious angels to fall. It is what caused the watchers, the, the fallen, to be, to be the fallen. I believe that that uh -huh. darkness that it says that we don't know what it is, it's a mystery. We don't know what it is, but we know it exists. And I believe that that is the darkness that is the opposite of God. And I believe that whatever they're doing over there, they have opened up something. And I believe that it could be like in Revelations, it's the, it's the abyss. Pandora's box. <laughs> it's the, it's the, like the abyss. The, the pit. With the rock where they open the portal to hell. Portal to hell, yeah. Nice. And they and they said yeah. it says in Revelations that they that they they stared into the abyss, you know, or whatever, and they opened it, you know. Well, that could be what's going on, and they are releasing yep. literally antimatter, the darkness, the dark matter, whatever, the undoing of creation could be at foot. Mm. And it's yeah. very possible. Oh no, it's scary. It's very scary, man. Very scary, yes, very scary. The Mandela effect is something that I think is a side effect of it that's happening. Because I believe it's the very unraveling of our reality. That's why, um, you know, people are like all these weird Mandela effect things are happening. Like people that we thought had died and then they're alive again. Um, just very weird. A lot of weird stuff. And, and you're seeing all these. We're seeing a, a spike in the number of creatures like these entities, whatever you want to call them, like these paranormal entities we're seeing yeah. a spike in the in the activity like big time like in in things that you didn't see a whole lot of before like the goat man type creature mm -hmm. you know these bat like creatures these mothman creatures there's, there's some there's some creatures out there that are not happy yeah they are not happy and it's yep. yeah anyway we'll talk about that later i gotta yeah. go definitely <laughs> absolutely definitely. simon we had a good we had a, a good time and josh once again Hey, yeah, thank. absolutely. We had a great talk, and we will we will let you go at this time, and then me and Sal will close out our show. Definitely, but we'll let you we'll let you uh, hit the hit the road, man. No worries. And to all your um listeners, thanks for listening to me. And um, yeah, you know where most of you know me. Reach out to me via Facebook if you want to have a chat about stuff. Um, I'm usually an approachable person, provided you you're reasonable with your requests. <laughs> <laughs> reasonable I like that yeah you know it's, it's, some people just get you give them an inch and then they're like oh can you send me links it's like can you freaking google <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know what Pe people can be lazy too i mean i've i've had people that were like hey you know can you put your phone number in my phone i'm like no i I'm, i can't i can just you know you can give me your number and i'll call it and then you can have it but you're not i'm not gonna have to just literally take your phone which i don't know how to work and try to make it you know because that's just ridiculous mm -hmm. yeah. well look i'll send you that email that i was going to that email address for um, yes, subscribing please. to the australian yep. to the yowie times and, i um, sent you the you email can message me back yours i'll um or have you already sent it to me have you yep I, I gave it to you cool okay all right no worries again thank you so much take Simon. It easy. no worries gents have a lovely um evening yep good day as they say Good day. Yeah. Good day. <laughs> Good day. Always we say see you later. See you later. <laughs> yeah, I like that. No worries. All you people at home, that that was very interesting. I enjoy listening to Simon talk. Um, he's one person that can talk as much as me and Sal, and that's that's hard to find. I bet if we got him together, if we could sit around in an actual same room, all three of us, I bet we could do another eight eight hour 
you know, round table with him. I guarantee we you. could probably break the record that we had with D. Yeah. Five and a half hour episode that we yeah. had with D. Doss. I think so. Can you imagine getting him and D. Doss, me and you all together. Because because that 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 is what I really want to do with the yeah, round table. I would yeah. like to have the, all of these people, Vic, everybody, just come on and yeah. talk theory. Chris, you know, Edge. right. Because, and, and, and that that is my goal. Is, is as far as the round table, that mm-hmm. that is what it is. Yeah. I want everyone to have a spot at the table as someone who is a serious uh, researcher or talk show host who is is looking for answers and you know like i said i have tons and tons of stories that i've collected i don't judge you know on the stories or whatever i mean like i get what he's saying about the science and all that yes but that's more for the people that give me the stories if they want to if they want to um give the story and 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 they they're not necessarily somebody who's wanting to go and do a bunch of research that's understandable yeah i don't agree with one thing simon said i would not follow anything into a portal (laughs) like he's got he's got big balls to say you know to do that because i wouldn't do it like if i saw a hairy bipedal yaoi creature like he's talking about these big tall you know yeah you couldn't there's no money you could pay me to follow you into that portal because what happens if you go into that portal, you know, and it yeah. closes up and you're stuck in there with that wherever that may be, yeah. Because these things could be violent too. You know the story you told about that uh, Bigfoot creature beating that guy half to death. Yes. I yes. would not imagine if you went into one of those portals and you followed one of them into like their their AO proverbial their, 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 bedroom. Yeah, or wherever it may be. You yeah. know, I mean like their their stick house bedroom and you followed them right into it and oh, yeah. then it turns around and just decides to beat the snot out of you like, and along with biting off some digits appendages yeah. <laughs> so oh it, it did it did bite that guy's yeah it pins yeah, his, did, his yeah. fingers off you know so it's so you know but the thing is that i liked about this speaking with simon was that hey we were able to you know talk yowie and he's still got a lot more information i mean the guy's a wealth of knowledge you oh, guys yeah, he's you been tell. doing it for a long time yeah and he's, he's a wealth of knowledge there and and i'm just thinking you know the good thing was is he was able to contemplate a few other things and so on and so forth. And that's one thing we like to do on our show is have th- these researchers, these interviewer uh, guests, whether they be researchers or whatever, entertain a few of the other things outside that, you know, what are their thoughts on that? We don't just have to stick to, well, this researcher is Bigfoot or this researcher is Dogman and just stay there. We don't have to because... You know, to me, I, I think you have to get into what they're thinking, what their thoughts are on these other topics. I think that all these topics have a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all in a yeah that yeah big big puzzle. If you open they, the box, it's. Mm-hmm. I think we need to start starting. Our, we need to start our show with that. Yeah, you opened the box. We came. <laughs> That's it. Explores. <laughs> what is it? What does he say? Explores on the edge of of of. Something experience or something like <laughs> yeah. that yeah hey, but i think it's great though <laughs> you know and i'm glad that we we can provide our our listeners a forum where they're not just going to get stuck down one alley so to speak it can go off in in a in a lot of different directions but we're never losing focus of the of the core topic of the core topic yeah and that's the thing too people say that well you guys get off on these tangents and you go on here and you go there and simon put it very well like he succinctly you know yeah basically you go off on these tangents because it leads you down another road of hypothesis but 
you come back to what you need to, to be to the, on. Yes. And, and some of these stories, now let me just say this too, folks. Some of these stories, like you'll say, well, you never did get to the story. That's because that's not what I'm doing here. I'm giving you like a sneak peek at what is going to happen in future episodes. There's stories that I know I still have not told, okay? There were two the little people story from Devil's Backbone, because I'm saving that for another episode. There's a story about a gargoyle and a key. I haven't told that story yet because I'm saving it for another episode. When I talked about the house in episode two, I didn't I didn't give the story about my grandfather with the phone call because that's a story I wanted to save for another uh, so in my mind, you know, it's like a big garden, and I pick the fruit that's the, and the it's vegetables ripe. that are ripe, and I lay them out there for you to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And don't think that I forgot that I went off on some tangent, and I totally just forgot about these other things because I did not. Oh no! Okay, my IQ is is <laughs> it's it's almost to the triple digits, folks. Okay, <laughs> guy, wake up pretty, pretty early in the afternoon, get over on me. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, folks, my mind, I, I believe me, I know, okay? And so if I give it all to you and, and we just do one giant 12-hour show, well, then I won't have 12 episodes right there, okay? <laughs> so that's how it works. And if you want me, you know, and plus I'd be exhausted and probably not able to do this anymore. I'm going to be sick of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So this well. is a small part of my day I have to take out to do these shows. <laughs> and we are recording, me and Sal and, and the guys here, we're, we've been recording for a whole lot. And so, you know, so when we take our big vacation in the summer, we don't have to worry about you guys missing on episodes. Yeah, we got to make get sure your, we got plenty of stuff saved up to post out there for mm -hmm. you. You'll get your paranormal roundtable fix. Yeah, that's it. You'd be like, yeah, I got these more. cheeseburgers, man. You got any more of that roundtable, man? <laughs> that's what you're going to be asking for eventually. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> you know. I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm just kidding, folks. Hopefully, you won't get addicted to a um, an amateur podcast. If you do, you got to get, you got to get your life together, man. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, uh, man. Anyway, that's all the time we have for tonight. Uh, from from me and from my fellow Hayseed Sal. That's yeah. a good name, Hayseed Sal. We there call you, you Hayseed Sal. You we go. call him Hayseed, Mr. There Hayseed. You go. That's it, Hayseed Sal, uh, and and all the paranormal roundtable uh, guys, the um, staff, the staff. And the, the, tech guru and our creative director slash producer slash taskmaster our studio dog yeah he He's stays on out us. here we got like and subscribe and comment is what tony yeah. is typing like and subscribe your, your writing is terrible I and really... please folks remember dos wolfman 88 yep. at gmail.com or wolf and sal at gmail.com send Absolutely. us your stories you know, either of those emails will do fine because we want to hear them. We want to tell them. And guess what? We're going to get to them as we fast as we can. We look through the emails, believe me. Yeah, and we sometimes do. we don't always get uh, to your email, you know, because we are very backed up right now. We have a ton of stories that have been pouring in on the messengers, on the email addresses. Mm -hmm. I'm getting stories inundated with stories, stories, stories. And that's great. I want a large library of stories, but I haven't even covered a third of what i collected over the years i still have a lot of stuff to, to talk about so uh, hopefully we got enough ammunition to keep you going until you know till jesus returns i hope so and we can like just keep going all right till the end of time definitely and that's it for today folks you have a good time good day whatever planet whatever parallel world you're from whatever portal you walked into Please don't follow the Yowie into a portal, okay? Yes. Simon is a very 
serious dude about his research. Yes, and I is. wish him all the best. But if you follow it into the portal, Simon, come on, man. <laughs> We no, can't do much for you. Can't if you do much it. for you. You're gonna be like, Yowie. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or owie. <laughs> yes. Check out his stuff. Simon Young. He's got a lot of good stuff out there, folks. Check it out. And of course, I'll leave y'all with this. You know, there's a few guys out there we like to hear their their content. Vic Cundiff, Dogman Encounters. I, I'm always Absolutely. listening. And DDoS and BDRP. You know, throw some prayers out there for DDoS and his family. Chris going. Cyrus and Venomous Cyrus, Fringe. Yeah. Uh, DDoS is definitely a good friend of ours. And any anybody that uh, Brenton Sawin, I oh, like Brenton. Yes. We haven't worked with Brenton, but I hope to in the future. I like him and pray for him, pray for D. They have things going on we're not going to get into, but just give them all, their, your, you know, and Chris, he needs your support. He's trying to get his, you know, channel and he's got good material. He's got yeah. good content. Kids got got you know he's promising and of course simon is a great researcher and you know and everybody here at paranormal roundtable i'll see you later y'all take it easy y'all have a good one